Hello and welcome back to On The Esky. Uh, the boys are back for another massive session of uh, sports from around the world. Uh, big show today. We've got to get stuck into the NRL Grand Final coming up on this weekend. We will review the AFL Grand Final from previous weekend as well. Congrats to the Ds. Uh, there's lots of cricket going on. There's IPL kicked off, um, some Shield games too. Then, of course, we'll do the NFL Hour and get stuck into week four uh, coming up. Um, then we'll wrap up with a final review of UFC 266, uh, F1. There's some Champions League news and, of course, the Ryder Cup. Um, as always, if you enjoy this content, feel, please consider subscribing or following along, leaving us comments of how good or bad our dribble is. Um, <laughs> and as always, there are timestamps for the various sports uh, throughout uh, linked below. But I think I'll bring in the boys. Hello, Peps and Monks. How have you been doing this week? Going. Yeah, not bad, mate. Grand final week for the NRL. Um, we, we were discussing in the group chat. Possibly. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to Let's that. not get why, ahead of ourselves. Money, yeah, put, the, put the house, the wife and kids on that the NRL grand final happens this weekend and there will be a crowd. I'm not sure the exact uh, capacity just yet. Uh, but, yeah, looking forward to that. As you mentioned, uh, IPL's back and, and the Melbourne Demons, 57-year uh, drought. Um, it was a bit of a bit of a blowout in the fourth quarter. We got three quarters of, of good footy, and uh, really excited for all the the D's fans around the country that have never witnessed one or uh, you know had to wait fifty seven years uh, between drinks. Yeah, thanks. How's your week been? Oh yeah, no good. Um, yeah, obviously with the AFL Grand Final over the weekend and leading into the NRL Grand Final this week, it's been pretty good. Um, caught up in a fair bit of NFL as well. So, yeah, ready to get stuck into it. So with that, uh, I think we'll kick off and start with Shout a Beer. Um, Max, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Um, so I'll keep it quick because we'll talk a little bit more about his um, fight career later on in the podcast. Um, but I'm going to shout Manny Pacquiao a beer this week. Um, officially retired um, this week from professional boxing and um, probably shouting him a beer for his um, newly declared Candice, 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 whoa, I'm starting <laughs> early here, aren't I? Uh, you only said it <laughs> Share yourself, Max. <laughs> I might need to. I need might need a few few years <laughs> to loosen the lips. Um, yeah, he's Let's just going say into off. the 2022 Philippine presidential election. I'll leave it at that. Um, already holds office um, in the Philippines as a senator, but yeah, heading for the top job um, next year. He'll win. Yeah. Right. yeah. Do you know much about the current president, Duterte? He's uh, he's essentially the bloke that said if you if you suspect someone is dealing drugs in your neighbourhood, go put a bullet in them. Um, and it's been some pretty wild <laughs> yeah, things over there in the Philippines. So yeah. wouldn't surprise me if Big Manny Pacquiao comes through with a with a presidential win. And uh, I think they drink San Miguel's over there is the big beer. So maybe Manny will treat himself to a few San Miguel's. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Pepe, what about you? Yeah, uh, I'm going to bring it back local. I'll shout Blake Taff a beer. Uh, he probably shouldn't drink it in the next few days, but uh, pending the – well, regardless of what happens Sunday night, I'm sure he can have it. Uh, he is, of course, a South Sydney uh, fill-in fullback uh, after Latrell got suspended a few weeks ago. 
um, against the Roosters. Pretty much the rugby league world had come to the conclusion that South could not win this without Latrell. There was big question marks around South um, as it was. Uh, you know, throughout the season, they got dusted by um, by the Melbourne Storm and by the Penrith Panthers. Lo and behold, without Luttrell, uh, that they'll be playing in a grand final Sunday evening. And I think a lot of that has to be credited to uh, Blake Taft, the young bloke here. He came in, he played fullback. There was a lot of conjecture. Would, say, Alex Johnston move to fullback and, and chuck a young bloke on the wing? They said, no, we're, we're backing Taft in. Um, and he played like four games before this, and he's he's actually played really really well. Uh, and he'll be playing in a in a grand final on the weekend. I think it will be his seventh NRL game. So enjoy one uh, if you win or whether you lose on the weekend. Blake Taft definitely uh, deserves a beer. Yep, definitely. So, yeah, so that means I need to finish off, and I'm going to shout out a beer to Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, the Volk, for defending his title and an excellent fight. And we'll talk about that more when we get to the UFC. But I want to shout him out. Well, probably don't need to shout him a beer with the amount of shoeys, thongies, uh, or jandals, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but he also backed up for the Las Vegas versus Dolphins game the next day and had more more beers with his with his belt in the crowd. I think Dan Hooker was there with him. Um, all the New Zealand City gym boys getting around uh, their you know defence of the title there. So uh, probably doesn't need another beer, but I'll he'll shout one out to you out to the vault. Look, I think uh, one more wouldn't hurt, uh, considering they they <laughs> might have been might have been in triple digits over the weekend. After, <laughs> and I'm sure one more wouldn't hurt. And how good was it? Obviously, we'll get stuck in and we'll take a deep dive into UFC 266 a bit later in the show. But an absolute war between uh, Volkanovski and Ortega. Really great to watch, uh, and obviously uh, for us Aussies, uh, the right result, and uh, and yeah, very proud of, of the the little bloke from Wollongong. Yeah, definitely. Okay, boys, I think that means we need to talk about uh, what's coming up on this weekend, the grand final. Uh, but let's blaze through some NRL news first before we get to that point, and we should kick off with the winner of the Dally M. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Travoyevich proving. That half the NRL season's not not needed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> winning the Daly M off after playing 15 games of a 24 game season. Yeah, 35 points he accumulated in 15 games, so averaging over over two votes, two two points a game. Um, it makes you wonder if he'd played the full 24, it might have been the best season ever uh, amassed by a rugby league player of all time. Um, we, we've spoken ad nauseum about him on the Esky. Uh, we were saying last week he's so good that he kind of makes you not hate Manly. Um, and and he won it clearly. He won it quite clearly from Nathan Cleary uh, with 30 points and Cody Walker on 29. We did say last week that he pretty much had it in the bag. They did the you know the split release of the points and uh, with with the amount of games remaining, we pretty much knew that that it, it was going to turbo. Uh, so congrats to him on an, on an awesome season, one of the best ever assembled in the NRL. Uh, one of the funny things that came out from the night uh, was Big Dick Peter Volandis. He was out there and and he was doing his best Sean impression. Um, and I've got to say, Sean, <laughs> it, this might even be rough on you because this was one of the all-time bungles of someone's name. Uh, the West Tigers fella, Josh Alloway, uh, was in there for one point. And he, he literally goes, one point, O'Shea O'Lay. Like, 
like as if he was speaking pig Latin in year seven to try and convey some kind of message uh, without the teachers uh, knowing what he was talking about. Uh, that the camera panned over to Turbo and a few of the blokes uh, that were in attendance. They had a bit of a chuckle. The video has gone a little bit viral here. And, uh, yeah, look, good on you, Peter Volandis, giving us a lot of confidence to continue doing this podcast. Uh, if the big dick boss of the NRL can't string a sentence together, we may as well try anyway. Uh, so so probably the best thing to come out of the night, given Turbo was already going to uh, win the Dally M. Yeah, it was a very dry night, but that was the main moment. And you could see it. Like, as soon as it came up, Volandis pauses because he knows – I think he might have been stitched up here. I reckon someone on the teleprompters fucked him and he's gone, this is not right. I know it's not right. Fuck it. I'm going to say it. You uh, reckon he got Ron, Ron Burgundy, Sean? He's, oh. he's gone uh, one vote, O'Shea, Olay, go fuck yourself, San Diego, or something like that. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Jeez, it, was, it was hard viewing uh, and shout out to any of our uh, loyal listeners, uh, Esky Bras, if you will, on the show that have stuck with us and all our uh, name bungles. Uh, but check that one out if you haven't seen it. Uh, one of the funnier ones getting around uh, ever, I reckon. So good on you, Peter Volandis, and shout, shout out to Josh Alloway, uh, not O'Shea Olay, um, his pig Latin uh, <laughs> brother. Uh, well, I'll go straight from that into trying not to bush uh, C.S. Oliala's name. Uh, <laughs> See, it's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we should mention Big Sia. He has retired after 17 years in playing uh, professional rugby league uh, across uh, Roosters, St. Helens and the Raiders. A total of 336 games, played 12 games for New Zealand and four for Samoa. Um, top bloke by all accounts, uh, absolute heart of of the team. And uh, for the Raiders, it's going to be probably will be a big loss going forward um, in their forward pack. Definitely. His body catching up on him, uh, but... As you said, Sean, from all accounts, and obviously us being Canberrans, you tend to hear a little bit about it. Uh, one of the better blokes getting around in the NRL, very team-focused and and very um, approachable kind of guy. I didn't realise he'd played so many uh, top-level games. 336 games includes his time over in the Super League. Uh, I think he had four or five seasons over there with St. Helens. Uh, but, yeah, to anyone that's played 300 um, top flight rugby league games has respect in my books. So uh, good on you, CF, for an excellent career. Yep. And that follows up with a career announcement for Blake Ferguson, where it's not a retirement, but it's a, he's hasn't been able to catch another NRL deal. Uh, but it looks like he potentially could be eyeing a switch to rugby union. Um, could wants to play for the Wallabies. Uh, be a bit of a loss, I'd say, to rugby league, considering he's not the oldest bloke um, going around at the moment. But he played 249 games for the Sharks, Raiders, and Roosters. Uh, of course, most recently with the Eels. Um, played nine games for New South Wales and another seven for Australia. Had an excellent career in the NRL. But yeah, odd to see that you know a winger of his caliber, like he's still playing well, still scoring tries, can't get a Guernsey um, with any team of the 16, maybe 17 uh, NRL teams uh, in the league. Yeah, quite an unusual one. We were speculating a little bit a few weeks ago uh, what the go with the Fergie Ferg was going to be. And look, if you can snap up some good money in rugby union at the end of your career, why not do it? Especially wingers. It seems to be something that, you know, the switch is very easy to go play wing in rugby union, um, you know, when you've got a rugby league uh, wingers background. Then that names of Lottie Dekiri and Wendell Saylor, 
Um, more recently, Marika Korobiti come to mind. Uh, it's not like, you know, going over there and trying to learn to play scrum half or flanker or something. Um, it, es- essentially, you're, you're doing the same thing, but probably getting less involved than a rugby league winger yeah. would. So, so yeah, uh, like for Ferguson as well, he's got great size. So he can definitely... Yeah. Yeah. And a, an excellent finisher. If you look up some of his highlights on YouTube of the, of him flying at the corner post, uh, you know the modern winger uh, and the, their ability to finish close to the goal line. Don't worry, Fergalicious is is right up there with uh, with some of the ways that he's finished. So uh, shout out to him and him wrapping up his NRL career. Well, yeah, probably playing for the Wallabies in the next six months, you'd say. Yeah, look, uh, we're not obviously big rugby aficionados, but uh, it does seem to be, uh, you know, if you're an established NRL player, then the uh, then the transition tends to happen pretty quick. So uh, good on him if he gets to become a dual code international. Um, yeah, all the best to the Fergie Ferg. Yeah. So I might throw the next story to you in a second here, Peps, um, because you're our resident coke addict. Um, so <laughs> what, what, what's the go here? That has been absolutely stitched up. Uh, well, I, I only bring it up because, you, you know, with the nose of your uh, calibre, I would have sucked up a plenty of illegal substances. So, uh. You're saying inadvertently me, Blake Ferguson, who we've just spoken about, <laughs> um, squid wad from SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, a few of our other big nose friends uh, might have accidentally hoovered up a little bit in our time. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure why this is news, but uh, given the way that, you know, the clickbait and uh, mainstream media works, uh, here's one for you. Mad Monday rolled around and a few NRL boys did cocaine uh, or some other white substance that hasn't been confirmed just yet. It yeah. may have been bacon. So <laughs> Yeah, there's not many uh, white substances sure, snorting. Um, that's that's right. Reese yeah. Walsh, uh, the young fella, he was uh, the rookie of the year. Uh, he got he got busted up at at Surfers Paradise. I think the dumb thing with him is the cops told him to go home, and uh, it, you know it, that could have been his night. He went back to Surfers, and that's when he got done with the drugs on him. Uh, he'll learn his lesson there. When when you get told to go home, just go home. I've also learned that one out the hard way. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the Warriors making him front up the next day to do the press conference with the coach and to admit his mistake? Yeah, look, next day is pretty full on. Um, he's a young bloke. He's, it, it was pretty – I think it might have been Monday, but it, it was pretty quick turnaround. The kid's 18. Like, look, we're not condoning drug use here, but it, it's not like it was a trafficable amount. Um, yeah, look, Rez will learn his lesson. If you want to stay out of the papers and, you know, not have three – you know, beer drinking morons talk about you uh, here on a podcast, which barely anyone listens to. Uh, <laughs> just go home when the coppers say go home. Just go home. The other, the other story being uh, the, the hectic cheese and, and Munster. I'm pretty sure everyone kind of knew that these boys didn't mind a little bit of a sesh outside <laughs> of this leaking um, yes. to the mainstream media. Uh, and on their Mad Monday, uh, we'll get into it in a second. Obviously. Melbourne going down uh, to Penrith in a game that they were fancied to win. The boys letting the hair down a little bit and, uh, yeah, also uh, caught ingesting some kind of white substance. Uh, but do you know who the real enemies here, and I'm sure Nadia Bartel will have my back uh, when I bring this one up, is put away the fucking phones, boys. Back in the 1980s, you don't reckon those boys got up to any mischief? I'm not condoning it. I'm not condoning it. 
I'm just saying there wasn't a camera on every fucking person's hip. Uh, and the boys, I reckon, a lot got swept under the rug in those days. So oh. lesson learned might be put the phone away. And Nadia Bartel, she can uh, go, go go have a meeting with uh, with the Cheese and Munster and uh, they can talk about their tactics for next year's Mad Monday. <laughs> well, they, they do join like elite company of the last over two decades. I think Dave Taylor, Greg Bird, Carmichael Hunt, Wendell Saylor. Like, yeah, it's, it's – take it's it as – it's a legal uh, substance, but yeah, in in Australian society, again, not condoning, but pretty common. And then in the NRL, uh, you know, that little echo chamber within Australian society, pretty fucking common. And look, lots of people say, oh, they're role models for kids. You know, they can't be doing this. Well, these people that that say that NRL players need to be role models for kids. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're the ones that have got rocks for brains. Uh, maybe maybe go read out some Nobel laureates or, uh, you know, some poets, uh, some people that have done some philanthropy. Maybe they can be the role models and, and not the guys that play a hard physical contact game, uh, them being the role models for the kids. Anyway. Yes. And this- especially from the bumhole bum leagues. <laughs> anyway. That's, that's uh, right. To finish up this story, I think Munster's looking at 40k fine, 20,000 for the cheese, and I think uh, Walsh is going to get 10. I think there's two other boys um, involved with the storm; they're going to get five. I think they kind of worked it out based on how much money they were making, because at one point I heard that cheese and Munster were both getting 50k, and I was like, "Oh, for the cheese, that's probably, you know, an eighth, a fifth, maybe of his contract, because I don't think he's on huge money, uh, so that's a huge hit." But you know, I think they've scaled it a little bit. So 20K is nothing to steeze there, but it's still, that's yeah, funny. Still, in its own right. But, uh, and then going, going back to the Dragons um, with their, uh, the party at Vaughnies, that's the way they did it. They did it tapered to uh, to match you, uh, or be a percentage, I should say, of your um, of your salary. And I, look, I think that's a pretty fair way to go about it. But the boys will learn, their, learn from their lessons, I'm, sh- uh, I'm sure. Look, you want to stay out of the media, do the right thing, and 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 don't do drugs for one. Uh, but if you are going to go that way, uh, just don't fucking get the camera phones out, boys. Expensive dime bag for those boys. Very expensive bags. Very expensive bags. Uh, let's, let's talk some about some footy then. Um, yeah. Right. South Manly and Penrith, uh, Melbourne over the weekend. Uh, South, of course, getting the win, thirty-six sixteen, and Penrith beating Melbourne ten to six. But this South game. Um, they kind of got ahead really quickly. They blew them out, and then it was done by halftime. That's why I, thought, I actually turned it on off at halftime. Like they're done. They're not coming back from here. And went did some other things. Me being the rugby league tragic that I am, I ended up watching the whole game. But yeah, you are right. There was 22 zip at the half. Um, Cody Walker had a brace early on. He was really good. Uh, we you, we did get the feeling that there was something going on with Adam Reynolds. Uh, came out after the game that he's got some kind of groin strain. Uh, but Walker took over a lot of the kicking role there, and uh, he got two tries to go along with Alex Johnson and Jackson Paulo. And, uh, yeah, South just controlled everything here. They controlled the completions. They had more ball. They controlled the territory, and uh, and they they just choked Manly out of this. And, uh, look, we got to eat our words. Uh, we all – we I think all of us tipped Manly in this, didn't we? Um, yeah. and- wanted to back the dark horse, wanted to back – like you said it before, we we enjoyed Tommy Turbo so much, we wanted to see him play in the grand final. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, South uh, spoiled that plan, and you know you can't really look past South as a club as well, an overall team and what they've got there. Um, but we did. We're 
again, it's it's a, a, a team of stars will beat um, a, a team with a few superstars. You know, I suppose outside of your Tommy Turbo and DCE and, and Ruben Garrick has been really good. Uh, I think South, it's, it showed with a more well-rounded side. I think maybe we sh- we probably should have thought back to what happened in that Melbourne game uh, in in the first week of the finals and Manly got dismantled. Um, and Wayne Bennett would have been watching that, licking his lips, taking notes, and, uh, and South ex- executed a really good game plan. Uh, so they go through to the GF and Manly. Uh, no videos have surfaced yet of their Mad Monday, but uh, I'm, I'm sure the boys are, uh, you know, after after the start they they had uh, they were you know they they didn't win any of their first four games uh, after that no one really expected too much of them to get to where they did um, you know commendable effort. Yeah. yeah. So if we then flip the script and look at Penrith and Melbourne, uh, of the three good games that happened in NRL this season, uh, we've had three of them in the last in the last three weeks, and they've all been under what, twenty points, eighteen points scored. Yeah. Uh-huh. This was another one, ten six in this a low scoring, you know, defensive battle contest the entire time. Uh, this is what we want to see, <laughs> not the not the uh, twenty two nil at halftime. Uh, I, I have to go talk to my missus now, unfortunately. Ah. <laughs> uh- one, if you're doing that at nine nine fifteen on a Friday night, good good luck. I'm not sure how good the conversation will be. And two, uh, if Big Dick Peter Valandis is taking after he's finished taking notes on how to pronounce simple names like Josh, um, maybe he should take some notes on we don't have to tinker with the rules in NRL to try and make it more high scoring for it to be more entertaining. Uh, another low scoring. Basham up game, which which was quite entertaining. I tell you what, though, it, this was probably the worst that Melbourne played all year, and and it came out in the game uh, where the, where they couldn't afford um, to to be slightly off. And, and, and I think the, yeah. the big losing their guys as well really didn't help. Like Welsh and Cheese, um, both Welsh and Cheese, guys, like yeah, Welsh very, very early, early. You know, when you lose guys with with ten minutes to go, twenty minutes to go, it's a different story. I think back in Origin, Welch went down. You know, what in, after six minutes or something, it's pretty hard, especially in the modern game when you only get eight um, interchanges and you, you, you're forced to use two of them early. Uh, so, so that didn't um, bode well for for Storm fans. Shout out to Nathan Cleary. That that kick to Stephen Crichton uh, very early on was a, was really good. Fourth tackle, so had to use some vision. Uh, straight out of dummy half, and uh, and that was a really nice try. Did fuck my multi uh, for my punters club. I had first try after eight minutes, which is normally a pretty good bet in uh, in defensive battles like this. Uh, but this one was 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 pretty quick into it. Um, and then uh, big Nelson Asafa Solomona, he went through with a big sort of Superman try. Uh, that one went back for obstruction, and Brian Toh, um coming back from injury, he he busted through to go ten nil up. Pap got one uh, at the end to make it sort of interesting, uh, but Penrith come through with their goal on defence and and shocked everyone. Uh, we all tipped Melbourne. Nearly, you know, the general consensus was Melbourne had been the best team all year. They won 19 in a row, broke all kinds of records, but they're not going to the big dance. So uh, Penrith will be and Penrith fans will be pretty happy uh, at least getting a bit of revenge for last year's grand final um, over over the Storm in that one. Yep. Yep. So I think that means we now need to talk about this grand final, and we mentioned it in the intro. Uh, the Queensland has got some cocoa at the moment, uh, and I was checking this before with Monks. I think four cases yesterday, six today, 22 in total. Um, they've got active at the moment. 
they've reduced crowds from the 100 to 75 percent so monks what's the difference in that percentage uh something like 25 percent there we go yeah, yeah good man good man <laughs> a resident accountant can do simple maths which is great finally got it it's been what like <laughs> two three months and yeah. Yeah. our little boys all grown up like, <laughs> so I've had the arithmetic's on the back of the um toilet door and <laughs> been doing addition subtraction got it <laughs> Are you getting into hard stuff like multiplication, or is that that's that's next year? That's that's when you get into year three. Yeah, awesome. yeah, that's. It. <laughs> so I won't, I won't rant too much, boys. Again, seventy-five percent to me still feels like a super spreading event uh, compared to a hundred percent. But it's uh, like flogging a dead horse. It seems like they they want this to go ahead by any means necessary. If that means cutting the crowd by 25%, so be it. This game happens Sunday night, mark my words, um, and I don't think we'll see any changes in the next few days. The curse. That's all I'm going to say. It's coming out of person's <laughs> mouth. I'm pretty sure he it's, said the same thing about the Australian Open and they had to postpone it and then no crowds for the entire time. So uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like your track record. Uh, and that's a long that's a lot of tape to go back through, so I'm not volunteering for that. What I will look, I'll volunteer this. If if the NRL grand final doesn't happen on Sunday with some sort of crowd, I'll do a back to back skull next week on the ESKY. How does that sound? Yeah. So I think uh, not helping your chances there, Peps, is the problem with the cases they're all over the state, they're not just in Brisbane, um, which potentially will force and the, the you know, the Queensland um your your best mate, uh, the premier very much yeah, Palaszczuk, mm. very much likes to... Outstanding woman. Uh, no kind of self-interest in running uh, Orange and Games or Grand Finals whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, lockdown, Great though. Is- the, the, the problem is their lockdown. If, is it intimate or not? Will they do the lockdown at 12 o'clock on Sunday night? Like, we think they probably will, so they get this game in. Um, but if they do go lockdown, it would mean no crowds for the, the Grand Final. And the NRL prob- said... Well, we probably may not play the game if we got no crowds. Maybe we postpone it a week, see where we're at. If they're going to do that, Coco, we've seen with the AL two states and where we are, that it doesn't disappear in a week. Um, I don't know what their chances are. The backup was Townsville, and then they had the hostie that was up there that had COVID as well. So that essentially ruled out that as their backup for the grand final. So um, I'm not as optimistic as Pepsi's in this case. Um, I think the game will go ahead, but I'm not sure what kind of spectacle it'll be. Let's see what happens. Um, it'll be a bad spectacle, and I imagine someone by the name of Danny Widler might have been coming up with these ridiculous headlines this week. Shout out to Danny. Uh, managed to weasel his way into a journalism career for the last 15 years <laughs> by writing triplots. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically the Adam Scheffler uh, of rugby league, mate. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Shefty is articulate and all over it, and doesn't and doesn't go for a cheap headline like this. Danny Widler, shout out to him, brings us all the best news uh, via Channel Nine and his shit haircut and his shit headlines. Uh, but uh, no, Scheffler and Widler should be uttered in the same sentence. Uh, I think Danny's problem is he covers the bumhole league um, instead of the NFL. So uh, he has to make news up. <laughs> let, let's let's talk about this. Going for him, his his hair is not as greasy as Schefter's. Schefter's got him covered from the grease department. I think. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the footy game. Per, per, Penrith, sorry, Panthers taking on Souths. Uh, we all tipped 
the opposite sides last week, gave them yep. the curse. Uh, Penrith looking for a redemption for their last year's loss, of course. We talked about in the Storm. We'll get to that in a minute. Last one, the comp in 03. Uh, South, on the other hand, looking, um, you know, they have choked in the prelims in the past. They've finally got rid of that tag, trying to send off Reynolds and Wayne Bennett, potentially Benji Master as well, depending on what happens with him. Yeah. Uh, for uh, In this grand final, they last won in 2014. Um, give me, what's your early impressions, lads? What are your early thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a crack here, boys. Um, you, you, you're seeing two different styles of play, aren't you? Uh, South that, that love to go on the attack. They love to spread it early. They score points. And Penrith, who are just defensively sound, we've seen them in the last two games, uh, nut out really tough, uh, you know, wars uh, in low-scoring games and low-scoring wins against against Melbourne and Parramatta. So two quite different styles. Um, there was a bit of uh, mind games uh, been started by Wayne Bennett. Uh, what did we see here, lads? I think I missed a bit of this. Yeah, well, you got to you got to remember, um, and I wanted to, I've wanted to bring this up because. Um, I think I said that Wayne was a difference in their Souths versus Penrith game when they played three weeks ago, I think, from memory. The first first round of the finals. Which yeah. forced Penrith to go the long way and have to go through Melbourne to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, you know, Wayne was a difference. They're talking about the blocking plays and how Penrith do this, right, 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 trying to get the refs on side. He's already started the mind games talking about, well, their trainer's always on the field. He was on the field for 10 or 13 stoppages or some shit like that. Um, already trying to yeah. push that agenda and re- reignite his little bit of feud with Ivan Cleary. Um, it's great Bennett tactic where he makes the focus, especially on him and less on the team. So they're all mm. talking about Wayne and not about what Souths are doing. And they're all talking about the shit I just mentioned. Um, and then they have to go to Ivan and ask questions. That makes Ivan annoyed and pissed off. And then he starts getting in his head living rent-free, uh, and we saw it where Souths just were different. They played a better game plan than Penrith. Penrith were un, you know, unprepared. That's what I'm going to say. I don't think they had the right game plan going into that game, and they ended up losing in a close battle. So, yeah. Is Wayne going to be the difference in the grand final? Not sure. He is the GOAT. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about in the past. Um, to take in, I think it's his 10th grand final now that he's taken the club to. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. He's got the record that speaks for itself. Um, it, yeah. And one one thing, I think I said it to James, and I'll flick to you in a second, Marks, for your thoughts. Um, I said it to James earlier. My thoughts, and I said it last year, I thought Penrith were going to choke and they were going to get smashed by Storm in the grand final. And for 60 minutes of that, that was the case before Penrith roared back in and made the game closer, but they still got pumped. Um, my thoughts on that was I thought they needed to lose that grand final, so then when they came back this year, they'd win it because they needed to go through that experience to learn that, oh, you know, we need to beat – this is how we need to learn to beat Melbourne. This is how they play in this massive game like this. Um, Cleary needs to learn how to win big football games. He did that through Origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they're prime position. My concern, though, and I think I still tipped them. My concern, though, is did they play that game last week? Did, have they played their grand final and with Wayne and the other stuff in it? Are, are they yeah. going to just miss it and – you know, I don't want to say they're going to choke again, but they're going to come up with a red-hot Souths team and Souths, you know. I think this game's probably the finish 12-6. That's where I think this game finished. Like the unders? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely unders. Uh, definitely. 18 points. I think it'll be close, hard-fought battle. And I'm going to give a slight edge to Souths, though I picked Penrith. Mm. I think this, 
Yeah, same. I think, well, back going back to the mind games, I think during the week, Cleary said that if Bennett is talk, keeps on talking about all of this stuff with the trainers and with the blocking and all that sort of stuff, then Ivan's of the opinion that he's in Bennett's head now. Um, like Bennett's getting frustrated about how Panthers are playing the game and all that sort of stuff. So whether that was just some sort of face for the public, um, that clearly is trying to be confident, um, hard to say. Um, obviously, like like we talked about a second ago, different styles of, of footy. Um, South, very attacking. Penrith, more defensive. I like, I think, for me, I've gone Panthers. Um, I think they they went through a war last week, so how they recover with, with their week leading to the grand final will be huge. Um for South for me, yes, they beat Manly, but then, yeah, they beat Manly, like we are saying, like a team of stars versus a team of a couple of players. So I don't know how much confidence you can put into that. Um, not taking anything away from Manly. They had a great season to get to where they were. Um, but, yeah, I think Panthers should should have the edge. I think, like you are saying, um, the games they played this season, the loss last year has just probably just giving them the experience they need and hopefully understanding from um, playing the Souths earlier on the season, um, they know what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely um, see that sentiment. Uh, some final notes in this. Uh, Pango Jr. did rule himself out with a knee injury. Um, potentially he could have been right for the game and played, um, but he might have been only 80%. Um, so he did started standing himself down so that, a young fellow that had been in the system, been in Penrith for a very long time, um, could actually get a go uh, in this game. So, you know, that's great for Pangai to do that. Yeah, don't want to brush over that. Like, obviously, TPJ uh, coming across from Brisbane, he's off the dogs next year, uh, and he's helped him get to a grand final. But it, it does seem like this knee was kind of 50-50, and uh, it seems like he said, no, 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 look, rather than, you know, trying to put all your effort in, in getting me right, let's let's give uh, the, the the cap to Spencer Linau, who's been in the system for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, didn't want to brush over that. Uh, shout out to, to Pangai Jr. Um, and uh, I think he'll, he'll still get, you know, a, um, a ringed or, or doesn't he from, from playing with the with the side, but uh, won't be won't be in the 17 on the weekend. And the final notes was Dylan Edwards has been in a mood boot all week, but he looks like he'll be fine to play. And, of course, Adam Reynolds, as mentioned, has groin tenderness, but also expected to play. Monks, to finish us off on this, do you have some odds? Oh, yes, I do. Um, so Penrith are ahead in the head-to-head. Their favourites are $1.68. Um, Rabbitohs are sitting out at $2.25. Um we have got a line of three and a half, so very close game, and over-unders is 37. Yeah, quite low there, isn't it? So the bookies are thinking the same way we are. Grand finals mm. tend to be a little bit lower scoring. Uh, I don't know if we'll be touching that. I don't know if I'll be betting on the results of this. I, I might be a little bit of more of an anytime try scorer kind of man in this one. Um, and I, I did go Penrith, um, so that sounds like a good old on the Esky curse. Uh, <laughs> South by 40. Let's go out and win this comfortably. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and we're
and with that, that'll end up end the NRL chat for this week, and which means we should probably talk about the other grand final that happened uh, since the last podcast, and that was the AFL grand final. Uh, Melbourne mm-hmm. did end their 57-year drought, as mentioned. Big congrats to the D's and D's fans, boys. What did you think of this match uh, and how it went down? Yeah, firstly, I just wanted to extend my commiserations to Joseph Jim McGrath, uh, if you're listening. Uh, big time dogs fan, contributor to the Esky. Uh, he had to endure a Melbourne Storm loss. He uh, he recovered. He's after that game, you know, obviously going straight into the AFL Grand Final. He said, "Okay, this is the big one for me. Uh, you know, let's recuperate." Half time, he was pretty up and about, and then oh, didn't really hear, didn't really hear too much um, after after about three quarter time. So the four, poor bloke uh, had to watch the dogs lose, and then. Um, big United fan, they got done by Villa. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, for the neutral viewers, this game, this game had it all until the until the end of the third quarter. Um, it was absolutely back and forth. The first quarter just belonged to Melbourne. The second quarter belonged to the Dogs. I think what was it, a eight point lead at the half. Uh, the the game was really set up, and we saw that enticing battle of the two best midfields going at it. Um, in in um, in your Petrarchas and your Olivers and your Gorn uh, up against you know your English and McRae and Bontempelli uh, that that midfield battle was was unreal. Caleb Daniel uh, got a bunch of footy for the Dogs early on. I think he had twenty six at half time, something like that from from the little um, half back from from the Dogs. And then the third quarter continued that even. Stevens kind of back and forth. I think it was, right, it was right at the midpoint of the, the yeah. third quarter. Like, further back than that, I think maybe with about five, eight minutes to go in that third quarter, and Melbourne went bang, bang, bang and got a three-goal lead going into three-quarter time. My, my thoughts were it looked like the Bulldogs were dominating general play. Like they, they were controlling a bit more than Melbourne did. But as soon as the Dogs scored – the counterattack out of the clearances for Melbourne, they'd, they'd get it straight back. And then, like you said, they got it straight back and then they got another one and another one straight off for it and they hit. And then they just got on a roll where they were just smoking them out, out of the middle and then, um, yeah, the dogs couldn't come back from that. And they scored 100 points in the second half. Unbelievable. So, so I think yeah. uh, the Bulldogs, what was it, like seven? Oh, no, they were – yeah, they were one one with that. Yeah. 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 Like, like you said, it was like – Ruck tap, clearance, mark inside 50, goal, and just repeat throughout the whole fourth quarter and the back end of the third. It was like watching two different games, quite frankly. Uh, Would have been been really hard viewing for for poor Dogs fans. At least for the neutral viewer, you kind of go, oh, well, they had 2016. They'd broken their drought um, a few years ago. They've been a really good side over the last few years under Bevo, and they're not going away any anywhere. They've still got a really good list. Um, for for me, I think it was two. Who t- you tipped the dogs? Was it Sean and me and Monks went Melbourne? Uh, look at halftime. Fuck, it was anyone's game. Uh, but yeah. for a fan of footy that wasn't really invested in either side, very happy to see a team break a drought of fifty-seven years. We spoke about it last week with a. Uh, you know, granddads and and grandmas around the country that you know might have seen a win as a as a you know young pup, and then for them to be able to experience that with their family, you know, the the, the sons and daughters, the grand uh, the grandchildren that had never seen them win a flag, 
uh, that would have been pretty special. I imagine there would have been uh, a few tears and a few beers around the country uh, amongst the D's fans. Uh, let's talk about the players. Christian Petrarca won the Norm Smith. He had 39 possessions and two goals. He was unbelievable. So uh, I, w- I wanted to mention it there as well because you said it as well, the clearances where they'd get the tap and then they'd, they'd get the ball straight away from that clearance and put it inside the 50. Man enabling a lot of those was Petrarca. He'd be getting those. He was all about it, clearing it out of the centre of the end and put, pushing it straight inside the 50 to set up quick goals. Like, it was very impressive. Yeah, and very deserving of, of that Norm Smith, involved in everything in the second half. Uh, Bailey Fritch got a lot of it up front. He, uh, he had six goals in a grand final. Not too many people have done that. Uh, so shout out to the young, uh, you know, Macca's best mate, essentially, uh, you know, Melbourne pro- privately educated. Uh, I think his words were, daddy has money, uh, kind of look about him. But uh, I'll tell you what's funny <laughs> is, is him taking a mark inside 50 and kicking a goal. Um, can't take anything away from him. He's been very good. And uh, a, a shout out to, to Bond and Pelly and Trelaw, um, who were both very good in a losing side. Trelaw. It was uh, well documented at the start of the year. The whole, um, you know, the the farce that happened essentially at Collingwood and uh, and him being unwanted and all kinds of media attention uh, for him to go over to the Dogs and have immediate impact and and show what kind of quality player he was in a grand final, uh, it, albeit in a losing side. Uh, it was good to see. Yeah, well, that that second quarter where that, they were down um, significantly to start the second quarter, and he two two goals from him really turned them around to give them yeah. the juice, and then Bont come in and they really kind of you know pushed that, and they got the lead at the halftime. You thought they were going to carry it on. They're playing really well in that third quarter, and then I don't know the switch went on for the D's, and they just killed them. I think as well, someone that we haven't mentioned is Max Gorn, the the Melbourne captain. You know, if you're giving Petrarca first use of it or, or giving Oliver first use of it, a lot of that came down to the stalwart, the club captain, Big Maxi, getting the taps. Obviously, me as a as a park footy ruckman, uh, you know, big fan, big fan of Maxi on and off the field, and uh, he was uh, well involved in uh, in getting them the win. And from what I can tell, quite involved in the uh, in the post win celebrations. Uh, a few videos have come out. Uh, <laughs> Unlike the NRL, uh, in which they tend to incriminate themselves, uh, <laughs> it was just them uh, on, an, on a dance floor consuming some legal substances and, uh, and having some uh, having a good time, uh, partying as you would if you'd won uh, a first flag in 57 years. Any final thoughts on the AFL Grand Final? Overall, great season, um, competitive. Mm. Uh, there was, you know, it was great to see. The D's come, they didn't come from nowhere, but they came from and weren't very much expected to win a grand final this year. So, uh, no, no, not expected to. Um, but everyone knew that that the list was there. Uh, obviously, um, made the finals a few years back, and then it kind of sort of dropped off. We're trending in the right direction, and um, and yeah, that they like like we said last week, them and the and the Western Bulldogs, despite the fact that the Dogs finished fifth. They were the two best teams uh, throughout this year and, and a deserving grand final. A little bit of a shame, I guess, for the neutral viewer in, in the fact that it did blow out in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, yeah, look, uh, a, a great AFL season. And uh, looking forward to the AFL draft, which will be next mu- or in about six weeks. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think we'll ke- keep an eye on that. Um, there'll be some father-son um, implications there. 
Um, but yeah, I think Monk, me and Monks, uh, we played golf uh, quite early Sunday morning, and uh, and both of us rocked up and was sort of humming, you know, it's a grand old flag. It's a flag. <laughs> it's stuck in my head, uh, going to sleep. Yeah. Uh, just just watching it, and um, yeah, some some nice videos coming through of uh, of the boys, you know, still still in their kit, uh, very very late on in the evening. Uh, on the furfies, a few of the boys smoking some cigars and uh, getting the, uh, you know, the ski goggles out like an NBA t- uh, team would and, uh, and and celebrating the world. So, so congratulations to the That's Melbourne Demons. And congratulations it. to the de- the long-suffering Demons fans. That's it. I also want to shout out um, Neil Danaher as well. Saw a couple of photos of him floating around the socials um, after the game. So, yeah, I'm sure he would have been enjoying it as well. It would have meant so much to him, so so much, so invested in that club. Um, you know, well publicised his his struggle, his battle with uh, with motor neuron disease. I think he's uh, he's gone past eight years since his diagnosis, and I'm pretty sure the life expectancy for that disease is about 18 months. Um, mm. So so massive massive win for Neil. The boys get get around him. He's an inspiration, um, I, and I encourage anyone that hasn't read his book. To check it out um re- really good reading there so uh congratulations to neil congratulations to max gorn petrarca to simon goodwin and the melbourne demons uh well done boys so we need to move on and let's talk about some cricket and there's been a lot of cricket uh or most of it of course ipl cricket mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. you want to run us through the 10 games that have happened uh in the last week since our last podcast i'll take a deep breath boys i <laughs> they want a lot of double headers. They're trying to get through this uh, this schedule quite quickly. So rather than going, uh, you know, taking an in-depth look at each game, we'll just go through the results quite quickly, highlight any players that did well. Uh, so going back to our last pod, match 34, we had the Knight Riders take on the Mumbai Indians. They came away with a win there. Uh, Sunil Nareen, man of the match. He actually uh, was man of the match in two of the, the games uh, over the last week. Match 35 saw the top of the table, Chennai Super Kings, defeat Royal Challengers Bangalore. Uh, Virat Kohli had 53 there and Devdut Padakal, 70. Dwayne Bravo, 3 for 24 and a man of the match there. Match 36, we saw the Delhi Capitals, who we will be speaking to on Saturday. Uh, they had us... Uh, in the the first iteration of the IPL, uh, so <laughs> check that out uh, if if you want to see us talking to the Delhi Capitals Saturday night. Uh, they got the win over the Rajasthan Royals. Trace Iyer, 43, and a man of the match in that one. Match 37 saw Monkeys Punjab Kings get a win against the Sunrisers Hyderabad. Jason Holder, man of the match in a low scoring bit of a snooze fest uh, game in that one. The 38th match saw the Chennai Super Kings get another win against Kolkata Knight Riders, Ravi Jadeja, the man they called Jadu, man of the match in that one. Match 39, Royal Challengers Bangalore got a win against Mumbai Indians. Kohli got 50 again, and uh, our boy, Glenn Maxwell, 56, and a man of the match in that one. Match 40 saw Sunrisers Hyderabad get a win. Uh, they're only their second win of the IPL season against the Rajasthan Royals, the boys in pink. Dave Warner, uh, a lot of noise around him, not selected again, and Sunrisers winning. So can't imagine that Warner gets another bat for uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad. Jason Roy, 60, and a man of the match in that one. Sandrew Sampson, 82, in a losing side for the Rajasthan Royals. Uh, and then on the home stretch, 
Kolkata Knight Riders had a win against our Delhi Capitals. Good to see Steve Smith out there. 39 opening for Delhi, but Sunil Nareen, that man that I mentioned before, two for 18 and a man of the match. Match 42, Mumbai Indians defeated Punjab Kings. Kieran Pollard, the big man, two for eight with the ball and a quick fire 15, getting uh, getting the win there for the Indians. And match 43, finally, Royal Challengers Bangalore defeating Rajasthan Royals. Glenn Maxwell in the runs again, 50 not out. And Yuzvendra Chahal, two for 18. Thanks for sticking with us, boys. That was <laughs> a, lot, a lot to get through and a lot to get through quickly. I think the more interesting thing to talk about is the table. Uh, Monks, if you wouldn't mind bringing that up. Uh, Sunrise is Hyderabad. They've only had two wins, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's the top four that's kind of starting to take shape now. We've got Chennai Super Kings and Delhi Capitals up there. They're exactly. all but assured of playing finals. Yep. Royal Challengers Bangalore are in third. Uh, Monks, have you got the table there and the and the points? Yep. Uh, yeah. Fourth. Sorry, oh, Monks, sorry. I jumped in. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, sorry. So at the top of the table, um, both on 16 points, and then Bangalore is sitting at 14. Um, behind them at fourth and fifth, we've got the um, Knight Riders and Mumbai Indians both sitting at 10. Um, and after that, we've got the Punjab Kings at eight, and then Rajasthan Royals at eight as well, sixth and seventh. And yeah, as you mentioned, um, Hyderabad is sitting down there at fourth, well, with four points, sorry. Yeah, and with, I think each club needs to play five more matches. I think a little bit less. So they play 14 total, and most have played 10 or 11. So three or four, I think uh, they're. So, oh, sorry. Let me count. Yeah, three. I've got Delhi Capitals with three more matches. Yeah, th- and I think some some have got four in hand. Um, so in summation, we've we've got the top two. I think I think this, the uh, the Super Kings and the Capitals will finish one and two. Uh, the order. We've got four at least. They can't they can't drop out of there. Yeah, that's right. Mm. They, they'll be playing finals. Yep. Uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore should be playing finals. They're four points ahead of fourth place. And then we've got a, yep. a tight contest for fourth place between the Knight Riders, the Mumbai Indians, the Punjab Kings, and the Rajasthan Royals. And uh, it's Sayonara to David Warner's uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad. And the Mumbai Indians, I think, are an interesting one with their squad um, and where they've uh, positioned or themselves in the in the past uh, finals-wise. So it's interesting to see, and they haven't great on form. I think the Knight Riders have probably had the best form. They've won three of their last five. Um, yeah, and, and four, it, honestly, so. yeah, since our last pod, getting yeah. a few wins there for for the men in purple, the Knight Riders. Um, off the back of some really good bowling from Sunil Narin. So getting down to the business end now, every game counts, obviously in the IPL, but when you get to this stage, uh, that they tend to count a little bit more. Um, and uh, and a really interesting, um, you know, time for viewing for us. We were a little bit worried about the uh, the 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 uh, time uh, that the games would be played now that they're in the Emirates the time zones compared to over here in the uh, in Australia tends to be a little bit more favourable to us when they're in India, but there have been a lot of these double headers. So the early games tend to be about an 8pm start over here. So uh, if, if anyone wants to catch a bit of IPL cricket uh, watching down under, uh, there's not too much other cricket going on um, at the moment. 
uh, yeah, get get around uh, the IPL, uh, the early games and the double headers. They start around about eight o'clock. Yes, yes. Well, you mentioned other cricket games going on, and the only other games happening for the Australians is the Shield. Uh, the Shield has kicked, well, meant to have kicked off. Uh, the Queensland first versus Tasmania game was postponed because it was meant to be in Brisbane, and Brisbane had cases. Um, so Tassie team were worried they'd get stuck in hotel quarantine. Uh, but I, I think they're going to sort that out and potentially move it and move the guys. But we did end up getting a Shield game, luckily enough, Um that was between – who was it between? Uh, WA and SA. So, and uh, that was in Adelaide. Yes. In Adelaide there. So thank God, mm. uh, you know, that we, we got a Shield game. We've seen very, very little red ball cricket uh, for um, Aussie, you know, Aussie fans with the Ashes just around the corner. You know, the last time that the Australian Test team played was the Gabba. That was, was the, the infamous loss. Um, losing of the fortress, uh, the 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 gabatoire, uh, if you will, uh, when we saw Washington Sunda out there spanking um, spanking us around. So that's the last time yeah. that we played Test cricket with uh, with the Ashes. Hopefully, uh, kicking off in uh, in less than two months. So uh, really interesting uh, matchups. Uh, you know, these Sheffield Shield games is a chance for some of these uh, Australian hopefuls to put their hand up and show the selectors that they're worthy of being included in this first game of the Ashes. And all the, the hopefuls uh, scored runs uh, in terms of in terms of the bats. Sean Marsh had 118. Don't count him out. He's, he's older, but he's proven. Um, and with, uh, with the fitness of Will Pukowski and Tim Payne in question, wouldn't be surprised if Sean Marsh gets a, gets a nod in this side. Cam Green, Put his name in there. He's, he'll be playing. Unbelievable summer last last year. He's been focusing on his red ball cricket. Uh, he had 106. Hilton Cutright played for Australia a few years ago. Uh, I probably don't see him making this Ashes squad, but uh, but definitely putting his hand up with 121 not in this game. And Travis Head, the South South Australian captain, had 163. Uh, expect him to be in that in that Ashes. Uh, <laughs> He squad. was dro- dropped late, wasn't he? He didn't play that last game against India. Against, yeah, I think he did get dropped. He did get dropped uh, in, in the last one against India. He will be in the squad 100%. Whether or not he's in the in the first test side, uh, that probably depends on uh, these next few Shield games. And I can't imagine 163 in the, his first outing uh, has done him any uh, harm in getting selected there. Uh, just a quick note, we don't talk about women's cricket too much on the SD here, but... A test match is, is being played. Uh, it's just kicked off between the Aussie women and the Indian women. We might have a quick look back at that next week. Yep. And that's cricket, which means oh, the NFL hour. Uh, we got to get stuck into NFL games, but we probably should mention uh, some key points from week three. I think the big one was Justin Tucker's 66-yard record uh, field goal off the crossbar to Ooh. kill all the Lions' hopes and dreams in this one, uh, <laughs> uh, to get the Ravens really out of a bind in a, a game that the Lions played really well in and the Ravens not so much. Uh, but Justin Tucker, elite leg. I think he's kicked 40 field goals um, consecutive in fourth quarter game in yeah. the fourth quarter. Like yeah. elite, elite as a kicker in the NFL. We, we like to talk about goats on the SG, and uh, this bloke is quickly putting his hand up uh, to, to become one of the, the greatest kickers of all time. 
Uh, watching this, you kind of thought, oh, geez, this is a bit of a Hail Mary, 66 yards. I think the old record was 64. So it, it was two two yards that beat it. And uh, the unbelievable circumstances with it hitting the crossbar and then dribbling over. And uh, and it was like Ralph Wiggum. You can pinpoint the exact time that his heart breaks for, <laughs> for the Lions fans. Uh, fuck, who'd want to... Who'd want to be a Lions fan, to be honest? Well, I think um, I, again, back on, um, back on socials, I, I saw a video of a Lions fan before he was lining up for the kick. Um, the Lions fan was going, yep, this is going to be an NFL record right here. Let's watch just, Justin Tucker make this field goal <laughs> as a Lions fan. And then he kicks just, in and he sees it go, it's over, and he's just got hand in head. He's just like, come on. <laughs> no, it was actually really interesting because I think the, the commentary um, on that game as well said that Justin Tucker just missed a 65-yarder in uh, practice um, for the match. Mm. Uh, so he did a little crow hop in his run-up just to give him that little extra oomph so when he kicked it that he could get the legs on it. And it, it, it obviously worked. He got him the yard he needed, yeah. uh, landed on the crossbar to then uh, get it over and win this match for them. Um, mm. It was also interesting uh, during uh, the week of games as well that Matt Prater tried a 68-yard field goal for the record. Unfortunately for him, that was returned for a record length of 109 yards uh, for a touchdown for the Cardinals um, and not for his team. Oh, for the Jags and not for his team. The Jags, yeah. I didn't realise that it was 68 yard of that one. I'd watched the vision a fair bit um, and quite a bright spark for an otherwise lacklustre performance from the Jaguars. Um, but yeah, 68 yard of the boys, they're, they're trying, they're trying. Uh, it was right on half time, like it's yeah. it's either yeah. tuck a knee there or you know, try a field goal. Uh, in this case, it didn't work out for, for, for the Gardeners and the Jack. <laughs> um, scored a record length touchdown. Uh, the Bolts did upset the Kansas City Chiefs, and then Bengals did upset the Steelers, and some excellent games during the week. And then, of course, there was the cracker between the pack and the 49ers on Sunday yeah. night football. Um, Pretty happy to finish over here in that one. Uh, class back for for my university degree. Um, so unfortunately, was was not stuck in my, you know, isolation where it's it's so horrible. I've got to have a uh, you know, football on a sixty five inch TV in in the background. Uh, I actually had to be paying attention, and I I had to, had to watch uh, the replay of this. Um, but yeah, un- unbelievable scenes there. Uh, you can't give Rogers the ball back with 37 seconds and no timeouts, it seems. Yeah. Anything, anything that's over 30 seconds plus for any of those elite quarterbacks that we've talked about in the past, it's, it's money. It's, it's in the bank. They're coming back and they're going to put it in a spot. And it, uh, it helps if you've got a kicky and Crosby as well. That, uh, you can't, can't pretty- convert uh, when you need to. Did, uh, did, you, see, did you see when um, Rogers spiked the ball to, and they they got it within you know without the play, without the game clock expiring and he did a big let's go he was that confident yeah. in Mason Crosby coming out and kicking the field goal that he was pumped up just to spike the ball yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and for all, yeah of all those haters that thought he wasn't invested in uh, Green Bay football this year oh, he's definitely invested he cares, he cares <laughs> about his teammates he cares about winning let's let's like that's that's for sure yeah he just doesn't care about the front office. That's right. Uh, yeah. our, our good mate, uh, Gudekunst. <laughs> um, 
So there's a few games in overtime as well, uh, as I think it's in their contract for the Raiders. Every home game for them has to go to overtime. Uh, so they, they went to overtime when, against the Finns. Yeah, and another excellent game. Uh, mm-hmm. But with that, let's talk about upcoming. Let's preview round four. Uh, Thursday night football tomorrow for us is Jacksonville taking on Cincinnati, the, the battle of the number one picks, as you will. Uh, football Jesus taking on uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. What do you boys think of this? Jags offense, um, not the worst. They turned the ball over. Uh, Trevor's definitely turned the ball over. I think him and he's two and uh, Wilson's one at the moment for intercepts for quarterbacks. Um, you might have to double check that fact on me, but I don't think they've been doing overly good. The defense is pretty ordinary. Bengals, on the other hand, they look like they've got a pretty good offense going over there. And the defense is doing just enough to keep them in, in games as well. Uh, only allowing 48 points and he's got 10 sacks so far with four takeaways. Uh, that always helps. Um, it does help when you take on Bambi at quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not sure if you saw, saw him fall over with no one within 10 yards of trying to you, throw a pass. But, you'd yeah. see that. Poor Big Ben. He's won two Super Bowls, but he's just at that stage of his career where it's it's kind of, you know, it's a twilight zone. Let, yeah. let's, let's be honest. And, uh, and I think I think he probably plays out this year. Mason Rudolph hasn't shown too much. Uh, if they drafted a quarterback, uh, it, it might be a completely different story there in the Steel City. Alas, we uh, we do need to give our thoughts on Thursday night football. I was thinking, boys, uh, it was kind of like last week with Carolina and Houston. Like, oh, like, do I really care that much? And you know what? I do. I do. Since Cincinnati are two and one, uh, they're surprising a few. Few teams, a really good opportunity to go three and one, which no one would have saw that coming. And you've got Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, a bloke that's that's not used to losing ever, and now he's lost three games in a row. Can he reduce these turnovers? Uh, that, that I think if they don't turn the ball over, the offense isn't that bad. Their offense isn't that bad. Uh, it is it is in Cincinnati, and for mine, I've got to go the Bengals here. I think that's a a, a big. Uh, advantage and th- this connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I think they've got uh, four four touchdown catches for Chase already. He had two last week against Pittsburgh. Uh, good to see the former LSU teammates uh, hooking up there. I think the Bengals win this one. Yeah, to echo your sentiments there, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, uh, if they continue their you know their form and the way they're progressing. Uh, you could be talking about, you know, this is is this Aaron Rodgers, the first of the Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady battle, or, or Peyton Manning? Yeah. Exactly. Is, uh, is this the, their first in a long series of epic battles? Um, so for that reason, I think it's uh, worth tuning in and watching. But like you, I've also picked uh, Cincinnati. I just don't think they've progressed as a team overall from where they were as the cellar dwellers to now that they're improving in that division. Steel is probably the worst team in that division, unfortunately for them. Yeah, and who saw that coming, really? Uh, like, I well, think everyone... Who saw the Chiefs being the worst, worst team in the AFC West? Uh, but anyway. True. It's early days. It is it's early, early days. days. It's early days. It's That's early my point. Um, yep. But I've picked Cincinnati, Max. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I think, it, yeah, it'll be a good game for Thursday night footy. Um, it's not going to be a blowout where, like, one team's obviously going to be absolutely just smash the other one. I think both teams are still sort of in that rebuild phase, more so Jacksonville than the Bengals. Um, but, yeah, so I think it would be a good game of footy. I have tipped the Bengals as well. 
Um, they are favourites at dollar twenty eight at the moment, with the Jaguars sitting out at three dollars seventy two. Um, as usual, we have a line of seven and a half and total match points of forty six and a half. Well, you might not even worry about the lines anymore. <laughs> you know they're going to be seven or around that. Oh <laughs> uh, no, they mix them up a little bit this week. Right. Uh, it, it tends to be three right. and a half, seven and a half, ten and a half, fourteen and a half. There's a, there's a common thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. That's it. It's always a touchdown and a field goal or something like that in between. Yeah. The, the total match points, I think it's where it's at. Um, mm. So the next game to kick off uh, early Sunday Sunday games, we've got the Washington football team taking on Atlanta Falcons, one and two and one and two. Uh, Washington f- football team did get belted by the Bills. Um uh, in the last game, and the Falcons uh, did get off their donut winning against the Giants, who also lost to the football team the week before. So uh, what are your thoughts on here? What, do you think Washington's defense has disappeared? Um, they've allowed 92 points, or do you think it's maybe their offense is putting them into situations that aren't helping uh, their defense? It'd be interesting to see what their time of possession is overall, whether they're playing a lot of football um, or are they just getting beat? I think I think their defense has to be called out. Uh, one of the better defenses in the NFL last year, and we kind of expected them to go forward this year. We only thought Chase Young was going to get better. That pass rush was only going to get better. And through three games, again, early stages, but they're giving up 30 points a game. And uh, it was meant to be the, the focal point of this team. Um, mm. they, I wonder if this. They've, they've played some good teams as well, like outside of the Giants. Like the, Bill, the Bills are pretty good. Um, but I wonder yeah. if it's their, their secondary. Their front four is elite, like their front four. But then, say, Ronald Darby, who was probably their best corner last year, is now playing for Denver. Um, so he's moved over. So whether they didn't replace enough in the secondary, and maybe that's where the weakness is. They know, if, hey, if we get this ball out quickly, mm-hmm. someone's going to be open. We don't have to worry about that pass rush, which is the opposite of what you want. For sure, for sure. What about on the fair? Oh, you, you got something there, Max? Yeah, I, th- I think it's just a little bit of averages over both um, the passing and rushing. So they're, they've given up second most yards, um, only just behind Seattle um, there. So, yeah, it's probably not that probably highlights the fact that it's probably not so much the offense putting them in poor position. Um, they're probably just yeah, a little bit leaky on on the defense, both passing and rushing. So it sounds to me more like they can't get off them. Can't get off the field on third down. Their drives are being sustained, and there's long drives of lots of yards. Well, that's 100 yeah. percent true. I was listening to a podcast this week. Uh, they third, they allow on third down 60 percent conversions uh, through three mm. weeks, which is worst in the NFL by a margin. Uh, and if if that was to continue throughout the season, again a big if, uh, that would be the worst conversion uh, on third down ever in the NFL. Yeah, and well. As you know, third down's where you make your money. Um, exactly. And if you can't can't get the, the offense off the field, where you're not going to win many games. So it's a bit dire straits mm-hmm. for the football team. But luckily, they run into Atlanta, who are yes. just bad, if not worse, <laughs> than what they are. Um, they did uh, they did win a um, their game against the Giants with a field goal. Um, Cordell Patterson is a thing, as I mentioned. Peps probably the best running back on that team. I'm back. still going to fight it. Uh, he's been very good at uh, <laughs> catching the ball out of the backfield. I've got Mike Davis in my fantasy team. Uh, d- did you pick up Corderell in, in our fantasy? That's you, Max. I did, Max. yep. <laughs> I was, I was looking at it this week. I was like, oh, someone should probably pick him up. And he'd done it already um, a week and a half ago or something like that. I was like, oh, well, there you go. 
The yeah. whole quarter of Patterson thing. I mean, look, to be honest, I, I did need another receiver on my team, so I had to pick up Patterson. Yeah. Plus, he gets run, running back um, touches as well. So <laughs> he's the classic kind of five. A, a man who has been a kick and punt return specialist in the NFL for just about 10 years, quite big for, for a kick and punt returner, and uh, kind of uses a gadget kind of guy, you know, wide receiver reverses, a few catches here and there. And they're trying to turn the bloke into a legitimate running back. And through three weeks, it's kind of paid dividends. Yeah, well, I think they worked out you've got to get him in space. If they're going to double-team Ridley and then try to either put a man or double-team Pitts as well, uh, send them out a bit deeper on routes, and then you put you know Patterson in an underneath kind of area where he's all alone or he's one-on-one with a linebacker, and you take that matchup every day. That's where he excels in space. So put him in space and see what he can do. And it seems to be working for them. And, that, and that's a great point that you make there, Sean, because Pitts has been relatively quiet and Calvin Ridley has been relatively quiet. So, you know, obviously the secondary gravitating towards these guys and that's opening up that underneath for, Cord- for Cordell. Uh, I'd be interested to see if that continues throughout the season. In this game, we don't want to dwell on it too long, I don't think, boys. Yeah, we talked about it enough. <laughs> what do we reckon? I've gone Atlanta. I, I think I'm not seeing too much out of out of Washington. They're at home. Matty Ryan's an experienced guy. We are talking about a side that has been to a Super Bowl. I think Atlanta get the biggies here. I'm pretty sure yeah, I went Washington. I picked the football team. I just think overall their defense is better. The Falcons defense is so so. They've got better. They've got more talent, I reckon, in the, on their roster than the Falcons do. But like you say, it's probably going to be a close, hard fought battle in this one. Um, but I give them a slight edge to the Washington football team. Lance, tips and odds. Yeah, um, no real confidence in this one. I have gone Washington as well. Um, I think you make a good point. Perhaps the Falcons at home um, might actually probably give them a little bit of advantage um that being said the football team is favorite at a dollar 86 at the moment atlanta is out at a dollar 95 so still very close uh we're going to skip the line and we've got total match points of 47 and a half i wouldn't touch that wouldn't be a betting and probably not that interested really <laughs> speaking of um, <laughs> Detroit and chicago here um, Detroit fans, we spoke about it before, uh, absolutely heartbroken by Justin Tucker and his record-breaking field goal. Although something that I wanted to highlight is they're 0-3, but they haven't been that bad considering that they're 0-3. They yeah. played the 49ers, the Packers, and the Ravens, all good sides. They had that big comeback against the 49ers. They started well against the Packers, and essentially they were robbed on the weekend uh, against the Ravens. Did you guys see the the delay or the, the lack of call on the delay of game? There should have been a delay of game call. If you look at the playcock, uh, the the just before the Justin Tucker uh, record field goal, the playcock actually expired. It should have been a 71-yard field goal attempt. Yeah, and you, if you actually watch a lot of the games, you'd be surprised that there's a lot of zeros. Like they do hit the delay of game, and usually they. They give him a second to then get it off, like a second yep. or two. Like they give him a little leeway on the on the play call. Yeah, and and especially I've been watching, of course, a lot of Denver football, um, and they've been, you know, Teddy uh, Two Gloves has been getting away with a lot of hitting zeros, and then he gets it off a second after. They seem to allow that across the league uh, to 
you know, allow that through. So I think that's why they allowed it. It's more the heiress ones where it's, you know, they do a two count in the head, they go 1,000, 2,000, he's not a yeah, flag. Yeah, so. I, I think, though, when you watch this one, it wasn't in that grey area of one second. It was, like, in that kind of three-second kind of, like, blatantly uh, obvious. We'd have to check the take, obviously, but uh, th- oh. it, it looked bad. For, for Let's be honest. Rogers put the call in and said, hey, I need the Ravens to be doing good so they can get good TV with the Chiefs. So uh, let him have a chance here. Uh, yeah, the, the fix was in. Let, let's be honest, Detroit ain't bothering no one later in the season. Uh, they do have two fantasy-relevant running backs, though. Swift has been doing I great. Do. Jamar Williams mm-hmm. coming over from the pack has also been doing really well for them. Uh, interesting, though, they did cut, cut Jamie Collins during the week uh, for nothing. He was mm-hmm. a starting inside linebacker, tried to trade him, uh, couldn't get a deal, so they just bend him and, and cut him. Very unusual. Made the Pro Bowl, I think, back with the Patriots back in the day. Um, you know, oh, NFL. I think he's thirty. Yeah, he's... getting on, getting on a little bit. Um, has also had a stint with the Browns there, Jamie Collins. I'll tell you who I do want to talk about: Jamal Williams. And we missed this one last week. The the former Packer gave one of the funniest interviews that you will see following the NFL or any sport, if you will. Um, he was saying how, how Green Bay's his ex-girlfriend, they didn't want him. Uh, you know, they gave him a slick. He, he winds up at Detroit, and Detroit's like his rebound. And he's giving the interview saying, oh, they're feeding me good, you know what I'm saying? They're taking me to dinner, you know what I'm saying? He's saying that Detroit's like the rebound. It's the opportunity. It's one man's trash is another man's treasure. And uh, Jamal Williams, he's a character I, I – uh, I implore you to go check that video out uh, on on YouTube if you haven't seen it already. Jamal Williams' interview, it'll be the first one that comes up. So then if we flip over and talk about the Bears, um, they were bad. They got 47 yards of total offense last week, which was less than Justin Tucker got on that field goal we just mentioned before. Yes. Um, I think. Considerably. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think <laughs> I mentioned it as well that I don't like Justin Fields' chances. He's probably going to be running for his life. Did get sacked nine times in this one. Yeah, he picked um, that one. Yeah, he's banged up. Andy Dalton's banged up. I think Nick Foles is also banged up. They're trying to work out who's going to be quarterback. I think Dalton did practice today, so he's looking likely he's going to be their quarterback in this one. Don't think it matters. I've actually picked Detroit in this, um, even though they're on three. I think they're going to beat Chicago. You bastard, this was my upset, uh, <laughs> my, my one of the week. I, I've grown Detroit here too. Chicago have not shown much, uh, especially last week. That offensive line is horrendous. And the defense, you know, Chicago, they pride themselves on, on a defense. Uh, they've been pretty ordinary uh, of late. So I've gone Detroit here. Not very confident, but I, I don't mind it as a bit of sneaky value. Tips and Osmax. Interesting. Uh, I'm not going to put the curse on the line, so you guys might be all right this week. I have gone the Bears. Um, again, no real confidence on that this side of the ball either. Um, they are heading into the matchup favourites at $1.63. Lions are out at $2.30 at the moment, and we've got a line of 42 So that means we now need to talk about Tennessee taking on the New York Jets. Uh there's not much you can talk about the, t- the Titans. They pound the rock. King Henry is excellent, leading rushing yards. Um, <laughs> you know, he ran over Dennis, uh, Darnus, Leonard uh, during. Darius, there we yeah. go. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, Darius. Stop there. 
God. Uh, <laughs> did you guys, Marks, did you see that one? It was because uh, Darius I Leonard is a, a multiple pro bowler and he, <laughs> yeah. like, Derek Henry out there ending man's careers. Like, <laughs> this was a big old truck, sent him probably a good three yards in the air. Yeah. Well, that's also really impressive. You'd love to see it as well, though. Yeah. Uh, what's also impressive with Henry is his involvement more in the passing game as well. Yeah. It's, and we've already been tracking his uh, catches. I think he was at nine last week. He's now up to 12. Had 19 all of last season, so it looks like he will easily eclipse that. Um, what's also interesting, Tannehill, who doesn't like to slide. Uh, uh, him and uh, Danny Dimes, also another one that's been running a bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got 56 rushing yards. But we have to monitor the health of AJ Brown. They Especially take- my fantasy team that took him in the second round, and he's given me absolute peanuts. So far, he's a physical <laughs> specimen, a former Ole Miss teammate of DK Metcalf, and he's cut from the same cloth, uh, but he's got this hamstring issue. Um, yeah, I think kept- I, I'm pretty sure I told you that, you know, they signed Julio Jones, they've got AJ Brown. It's purely so they can establish the run. They send them deep, and then we'll be all right. We'll, we'll pay yeah, them. That's, that's all they're the deep boys. <laughs> Mind you, Julio has been quite good uh, for any fantasy owners of Julio. He's getting a few catches. Uh, he's already found the end zone, I think, twice. Uh, on the other side of the ball, we've got the New York Jets coming into town. They have been dreadful. They have scored 20 points on the season. Uh, they've got Corey Davis, who is a former Titan and also a, uh, a Peps fantasy player. He's been riding the pine, but I'd like to see him do a little bit here. Uh, I imagine that the Titans are pretty short favourites here. And, uh, look, we, we talk about Detroit fans. Who wanted, who would want to be a Detroit fan? Who would want to be a New York Jets fan? Well, yeah, the Jets and Giants are both 0-3, so I think there's a lot of Buffalo Bills fans currently. Um, yeah. I just want to share how the Jets were. They were shut out last week um, uh, by Denver. And yep. it's interesting, I've, in the last two decades, I think Denver's had four shutouts and three of them against the Jets. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, a bit of a bogey there. Fun trivia. I also want to mention Corey Davis. Um, he was asked at a press conference today uh, whether the Titans even considered offering him a contract, and his answer was no, sir. So I don't think there's any love lost there. He'll be out there to try and prove himself. Uh, look, I don't think it'll be enough to, to turn this game. Uh, again, expect a lot of action from, from the King Henry, uh, but I think the Titans do this pretty comfortably. Yeah, I agree. Nice. Yeah, I've gone Titans as well. They are favourites heading into the match. A dollar twenty-eight with Jets out at three dollars seventy-two. That's pretty short um, for the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> NFL is one um, of For NFL, that's short. Pretty much. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, turn match points of forty-four and a half. Um, line line for this one is seven. Um, so that's interesting. I'd be very interested in taking that. Yeah. I'm going to go for a quick loo break. Can you take us away with Cleveland and Minnesota, please? I'll be back in a second. Can do. And we'll start with Minnesota because Kirk Cousins has been playing pretty lights out. Um, almost got 1,000 yards on the season, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, they are one and two, but they're very close to being three and oh. Of course, losing in overtime to the Bengals and one point loss to the Cards. Dalvin Cook was a healthy scratch last week and uh, Alexander Madison uh, take over the replace and he had 112 rushing yards. I did see someone bet like, I'm going to say 
thousand dollars on him to be the leading rusher of that week um, for a potential seventy-five k payout. Uh, but uh, uh, Derek Henry had one hundred thirteen yards, so they had one <laughs> yard more than him, so he finished second. That so, is brutal. Yeah, I thought that was pretty brutal. <laughs> I feel bad for that for that punter. Yeah, that bet. Um, Minnesota though, they take on Cleveland. The Browns were way too good for the Bears. They have an absolute uh, two-headed monster in uh, Hunt and Chubb over there, uh, mm-hmm. both in top ten fantasy running backs on the same team. OBJ was backed. He's looking pretty smooth. Uh, five catches, seventy-seven yards, and Duke Miles Garrett uh, has mm-hmm. four and a half sacks already. Um, could have had a five and a half, but he did slip trying to get uh, to Fields. Um, could be in the conversation with Defensive Player of the Year as well, already on a fast track. That's uh, it. Oh, he's always there and thereabouts. This, I think, is going to be an excellent game of football. Um, they, uh, Minnesota's record might be a bit deceiving. I think they are a very good football team offensively. Not mm. sure about their defense, which may be their struggle point in this one against Cleveland. I have picked Cleveland because uh, I think they are on a tear and going to win the North and we'll be very deep into the playoffs is my thoughts. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, a bit, bit interesting losing to Cincinnati week one, Arizona. Yeah, I like uh, we've gone Cleveland too, uh, but I'm not in – He's about. <laughs> yeah, what is my position? Yeah, right. Yeah, fucking it. Yeah, you, you come back. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark was just saying how he was picking Cleveland as well, I think. <laughs> and I think you were backing him up and saying Cleveland as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, boys, can't wait to be back in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Fuck um, this virtual shit up. Uh, this this should be a great game. Yeah, yeah agree, definitely. Yeah, thanks. Um, so yeah, so Vikings definitely looking for a bounce back to right their ship for the season um, in week four. But I have gone uh, Cleveland. Uh, they are favourites at dollar sixty eight at the moment. The Vikings are out at two dollars twenty, and we have total match points of fifty one and a half. Quite high there on the on the total, so I'd be expecting this to be quite high scoring, considering both teams have uh, the, those high powered offenses. But that Cle- Cleveland defense is the difference for mine. Yeah, mm. a great same point, definitely. Um, then we got Indianapolis Colts, who are zero and three at the moment as well, being a playoff team last year, taking on the Miami Dolphins, who just lost to the Raiders in overtime. They're one and two. Uh, Colts D struggling a little bit. Um, as I just mentioned, they were a playoff team, but currently allowing two, 27 points a game and only have six sacks on the season. Uh, Miami, on the other hand, as mentioned, coming off that red-hot start, uh, did get a pick six and a long touchdown round by Malcolm Brown. Uh, Peyton Barber has looked really good for them coming across, yeah. uh, filling in for um, Josh, Josh Jacobs. And, st- and no Drake really getting much um, of a go there either, which is interesting. Yeah. Guess, guess whose fantasy team he's on. <laughs> I thought you know, Josh Jacobs, King Drake, he was lights out for Arizona a few years ago, and uh, it was all Peyton Barber. So, yeah, li- listen to me, take what I say with the NFL uh, with a grain of salt. Yeah, especially his fantasy football news. Um, <laughs> so, 
What do we think here? Uh, Wells is playing. He's got sprains in both his ankles, but he's playing on, um, which is uh, a testament to his um, um, ability to play with pain. Uh, on the other side, Jacob Brissett uh, is going to keep playing for them. Uh, he did play. He started off a bit. They started off really well, then had a really lull period against the Raiders for a reason, but then came back strong in that fourth um, to push the overtime. Uh, to get the touchdown, to get the two-point conversion. Um, but, of course, they did lose in overtime to the Raiders. What are you guys thinking in this one? I actually think I might have gone an upset here. I hope someone did because I I tipped Miami, but I really, want, I really wanted to go the Colts. I, it was maybe the home field advantage at Hard Rock Stadium for mine, uh, but there's no reason why Indianapolis can't go out there and beat Miami uh, a tourless Miami, and not to take anything away from Jacoby Brissett, he wasn't bad last week, but uh, I think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback, even if he is a bit banged up. Sean, did you go to the Colts? I did pick the Colts, and I also got to remember this is a bit of a revenge game for Jacob too, because he. I was going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, because um, I think he backed up Philip Rivers last year, and then they didn't re-sign him and brought Wentz in. I think that's the history for their quarterback situation, but mm. even with that. I don't know. Just I think the Colts need to get off their their donut, and I potentially see it being against Miami this week. Yeah, um, no, I like this matchup for the Colts as well. I have gone them um, for the upset. Um, so that being said, they are the underdogs at are two dollars fourteen. Uh, Dolphins are at a dollar seventy one, so still a very close matchup. And we've got a total match points of forty two and a half. Yeah. I- Low scoring, they don't, don't mind that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think they both can score points. So let me move into Carolina taking on Dallas. Carolina being three and zero, oh, uh, one of the few teams having a great start to the season. And Dallas uh, two and one uh, after dismantling the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Uh, it was very much, you know, a Dak Zeke. Tony Polo pitched in. It was a bit of a show of the offense of what they're capable over there. They had 41 rushing attempts. Um, Dak did what he needed to do uh, and, you know, really converted. Dallas on the flip side, they played pretty well. Um, but they were playing ten, um, Texans, weren't they? Uh, they played pretty well, but they were playing uh, yeah, Texans. Yeah, Carolina. You said Dallas, but, uh, but Carolina. 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 Yes, on they, they played the Texans, and, yeah, they – pretty much commanded that game, especially in the second half. Uh, CMC had the uh, hamstring injury. It seems like he won't be good to go this week. Uh, that man, Chubba Hubbard. Uh, I think it's true. I think they say Chuba, but uh, I, I, I want to say Chubba Hubbard. Uh, <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be the starting running back for the Panthers. We see a really nice uh, matchup between this stout Panthers defense that's given up 30 points against this high-powered Dallas offense that's scored 90 points. Uh, the Panthers are a bit like Denver for, for me, and we'll get to Denver in a second, in that they've played the Jets, the Texans, and the, the Saints aren't bad, but, but two, of those teams, yeah, two of those teams aren't great. So... Perhaps that this stout defense might be a function of not playing a really good team just yet. Uh, this one is in Dallas, and I have gone Dallas here. Yeah, I've gone Dallas as well. I think they're starting to hit their strides uh, a bit. Dak's back. He's in the rhythm, playing at home. I do like to turn it on, um, especially playing at home. Uh, so I've gone them, Mr. Monkey. 
Yep. Um, yeah, I've gone Dallas at home as well. Um, as you mentioned, Carolina's um, strength of schedule so far hasn't been all that great. Um, obviously, winning to the Saints means something for them, but the other two games um, don't really show, I guess, what they're fully capable of against a team um, like the Cowboys. Um, so Cowboys are favourites at forty-seven. Panthers are out at $2.68. Um, we've got a line of 50.5 um, for two teams that probably have been scoring a fair few points. So what do you think about that? 50.5, yeah. That might be a bit juicy. Dallas mm. can score points, Dave. What did they score, 43 the other day? Um, yeah, they're averaging yeah. 30 a game, but I don't know if Carolina is scoring enough for, for me to be interested in that. Mm. Uh, and with CMC out's a huge one as well. Yeah, DJ that, that really steps up from there. So massive, massive uh, with with CMC not being there. Quite short for mine head to head there, Dallas. Uh, considering they're playing an undefeated team, uh, but a really interesting battle. Uh, and and that that Dallas offense uh, for any for any fantasy owners out there, a lot of people aren't big fans of the Cowboys, uh, considering that they're America's team, big market, Jerry Jones, yada yada. Uh, they've got about five or six guys that are that are fantasy relevant. So a lot of guys will be interested in what happens there on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. Mm, definitely. So then we move into talking about the Giants taking on the Saints. So the New York Giants taking New Orleans. Um, Giants still winless. Uh, Daniel Jones hasn't been too bad. Uh, probably hasn't converted enough with the receivers he's got um, yeah. touchdown-wise. Uh, he has scored you know, only two passing touchdowns, but he's scored two rushing touchdowns. Uh, Saquon starting to get back to glimmers of his previous best, had 22 touches and played 86% of the snaps and did fine pay dirt. Um, We did all tip the Saints to upset Patriots last week. Uh, Winston only completed 13 passes and two touchdowns, Um, but they did get the victory in that, didn't they? They Yeah, much like that game in week one where they went out against the Packers. And just Mac Jones had 50 Temps or something yeah. as well, so yeah. Yeah, just their running game's looking really good. Their defense is playing good. Uh, I don't, I still don't know why the Saints were underdogs in that game. Uh, we all went the Saints and all got that tip right. Um, this one, look, pretty tall ask for the Giants to go into the Superdome and uh, and knock off the Saints here. I imagine you boys have all gone the Saints, as have I. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree and. I think uh, Winston's uh, passing numbers probably reflect how Alvin Kamara has gone for them at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah he's been really good. I've also picked the Saints. What's What's the line here, Monks? Give us the the head to head, but I imagine the line might be more interesting than the head to head. Yep. Yeah. So Saints are favourite for the head to head at dollar twenty six. We've got Giants out at three dollars ninety at the moment. We have total match points of forty one and a half. And we have a line of seven. Forty-one and a half is very low. I um, I like the overs there. I like the overs. Yeah, I agree on that. Then we take on a very surprising Kansas City Chiefs uh, versus Philadelphia, both one and two uh, to start the season. Uh, there has been a few moments that uh, Mahomes may look like he's human. Uh, some of that might have to do with his um, offensive line and where he is in his dropbacks. Some of those dropbacks, I think, on the weekend, um, he got to five deep and there was uh, two guys in his face. So, um, it's yeah, he did have throwing a pick. Um, 
in that game. So, yeah, interested to – I'll get your thoughts on Chiefs in a minute, but I'll just round up. Philly were definitely outclassed um, by the Cowboys. They did have two costly intercepts by Jalen Hurts. Um, they were behind all game, only had three rushing attempts for Miles Sanders. I think he had one massive gain in that as well. So, yeah, he ripped one off. But, uh... yeah, really a missed opportunity. I think Jalen Hurts said, um, you know, they laid a deuce in this one, and when you lay a deuce, you don't stare there and look at it all the time. You flush it down the toilet and move on. So, uh, Poetic. Yeah, let's hopefully they've done that, <laughs> and we'll see how they go in this one. But uh, talent-wise, I think the Chiefs are the better team. But what are your thoughts on – Chiefs one and one and two to start of the year. Yeah, we've seen Mahomes being human, uh, which is which is very unusual. That that pick that he threw when they were twenty four apiece uh, was unnecessary. It it was forced, and uh, it just shows that the bloke is not a robot or an alien or or something that was made uh, somewhere else. Uh, no one saw Kansas City going to one and two. I tell you what, though, boys, it's three games of football. Don't worry, they'll still be there come the business end of the season, and uh, I think they take care of business here. That they'll have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They don't see themselves as a one and two team. Uh, I think Mahomes and Kelsey and and Hill and Andy Reid will want to get a convincing win uh, over the, at Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they need to start mm. their start their run, and uh, potentially this is the, the spot. A uh, bit of uh, worrying news for Andy Reid. He was taken to hospital um, after the game. He had some illness. Um, but I believe, and quick check, he's okay. And he's making jokes about he needs to be on his own injury report. So um, I think Andy's okay. He's just um, had a little bit of illness after that match. Uh, anecdotally, I don't think the treadmill would, would hurt Andy all that much. But, uh, look... <laughs> He's got, uh, what, two Super Bowl rings and I've got zero. So yes. keep keep doing you, Andy. <laughs> Money to pay. <laughs> and odds. Yeah. Um, I've tipped the Chiefs as well. Um, yeah, definitely need a, a little bit of a bounce back, a little bit of a slow start to the season where that's a bit of the Super Bowl hangover from last year that we're seeing. Um, they are favourites at $1.30 at the moment. We've got Eagles out at $3.54 and we have a total match point of 54 and a half. The final of the early games is Houston taking on Buffalo. Uh, Texans, of course, coming off that loss, as mentioned before, Carolina. It was David Mills' first start and he's going to start in this game as well with uh, Tyro and Taylor still out injured. And I don't think they're expecting him back for at least another month. Um, so we're going to see what Mills has got. Of course, he was taken in the eighth quarterback overall in the third round out of Stanford last year. Uh, but, yeah, he's can't, didn't really generate most offense, got sacked four times, so they can't run the ball. Um, I don't like their chances against Buffalo, who uh, walk into uh, Josh Allen mm. that had 358 yards, four touchdowns, one rushing touchdown last week um, against the Washington football team. Um Looks like Amanda Sanders has probably asserted himself as the number two there. Um, let's talk about Gabriel Davis uh, during, he was a deep sleeper uh, during the offseason, but Sanders looks like he's um, cemented his spot there. And of course, in this high powered offense, yeah, he's fantasy relevant. So, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, so I don't think the head to head might be too interesting in this because I think no. we're all going to pick Buffalo and the Bills in this one. Uh, yep. Total match points might be interesting because we have to see if Houston comes to this dance party or whether Buffalo will have to carry it or not. Mr. This has got to be 14, 
14 and a half. Yeah. And 48 total match points. Um, yep, yeah, so obviously we're going to Bills here. They are favourites $1.06. Houston's okay. out at $9.50 at the moment. So there's your NRL line that you've been looking for. <laughs> um, the So the line um, is 15 and a half. Ooh, unusual. Yep, yeah, and we've got total match points of 47. So very close <laughs> on both. <laughs> both one off. Yeah. So close, but so far. Uh, <laughs> and on the extra story. <laughs> and that's all it takes when you're betting as well. You can easily lose your money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, late games. And this potentially could be the match of the round. The 3-0 Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals sorry, taking on the, <laughs> the Cardinals. <laughs> it would be funny. Uh, taking on the LA Rams, who are also 3-0. and um, This is looking like an excellent matchup. Cards coming off that win over the Jags. Rams coming off their win um, uh, against the Buccaneers. That's how they played, yeah, on the yep, yep. last week. Um, so they won That's that. Uh, they won that match, 34-24. Nuke was a bit quiet last week. He does have rib injury at the moment, and I potentially think he's a bit out there to be a bit of a decoy. So AJ Green and Christian uh, Kirk have yeah. a bit of action. Um, the Rams, on the other hand. Cooper Cup's winning you fantasy leagues at the moment. He is the number one receiver in football. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to pick in this. Um, I think I've gone cards purely because I've got cards in my fantasy team. Uh, yeah. But I think this is an excellent football, <laughs> excellent football match coming up. Uh, Matt Stafford has been very, very good for the Rams. Unbelievable. I feel, yeah. feel bad for um, Bobby Trees at the moment, uh, not getting anywhere near the targets he was getting. Uh, but we'll have to see how that goes progressing-wise in the season. But Cooper Cup has been the favourite for um, Stafford so far. Who do you pick, Pets? I went Rams here. Um, I think this is hard to pick. This is hard to pick. Matt Stafford has been an enlightenment uh, there for for the LA Rams. Uh, and a little, just a little tidbit for you, boys. Sean McVay, uh, if they're leading at the half, He's 40-0, if you don't mind. So if the Rams get out to a halftime lead, he doesn't lose. Did you see McVay celebrating at halftime, getting the boys pumped up, running into it? Uh, I, I, he might have had a couple of those bags from the NRL players beforehand. What <laughs> 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 activity he had. Um, that That'll be not, not until after they win the Super Bowl or go close. <laughs> um, and he was very hyped up. All uh, um, cocaine jokes aside... Uh, this is an awesome uh, matchup. It's kind of a bit of a shame that it's not in prime time, but we will get to the Sunday night primetime game in a sec, uh, which is intriguing. Uh, Monks, what are your thoughts here? I'd like to know the overs. Both these teams can score points. I imagine it's quite high. Um, and and uh, the head-to-head as well, if you wouldn't mind. Feeling 58, but they might have done something. No, I said 58. Yeah. Be cool. I'm thinking 55. Sorry, I was meant to say 55, but it wouldn't surprise me if they've gone even higher than that. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, in regards to the game, it's great to see Matt Stafford and his, I guess, um, renaissance um, coming back. Megatron being 36 today. Hey, really? Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's crazy to think that Tom Brady's eight years older than Megatron. Still playing in the league. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's great to finally see um, Stafford um, get the, the success he deserves. Um, definitely a great quarterback there. I have gone the Rams. Um, they are favorites $1.43. Cards are sitting out at $2.86 at the moment. And we've got total match points of 54 and a half. Ooh. Oh. It's up there, but I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Neither yeah. do I. I think that's tempting. Well, both, yeah, both cards and Rams are averaging over 30 points a game. Um, Quick math. Obviously. Come on. the overs. That's it. Um, mind you, Rams D is crazy. Um, obviously, you've got Donald there in front. But um, haven't been haven't been as good as what had been projected. They are giving up a few points. Uh, I don't know if that's a function of each game they get out to an early early lead and then the other teams kind of slinging it and chasing the lead. But uh, yeah, that that yeah. that uh, that's old Rams defense that makes you a bit scared hasn't been quite so scary this year. But that offense is lights out. Yeah. Mm. So then. Seattle Seahawks taking on the San Francisco 49ers coming up. Uh, another team at one and two in the Seattle Seahawks that you thought might be doing a bit better knowing their um, their offense and uh, their quarterback being Danger Russ. Uh, I think uh, Tyler Lockett went off during that last game. They were worried about his knee, but I think he returned in the back end of that game, so he should be okay. Um 49ers, on the other hand, they did have a bit of a heartbreak, as we mentioned, to uh, the Rodgers um, kicking, or Crosby kicking the late field goal um, with Rodgers getting them down there within the 37 seconds to win that. Uh, Trey Lance had a rushing touchdown. George Kittle was starting to look like old Kittle. Um, I think they were probably missing uh, some running back help and uh, didn't get the receivers, um, Debo Samuels, uh, involved enough, you would think. Maybe they correct that in this game. I'm not sure who I've picked in this. It should be another great game of football with teams that are um, you know, very similar. 49ers defense, you know, Joey Bosa has been excellent to start the year so far. Um, I think I've picked the Seahawks for mind. Uh, That's big. I, I think I've gone the Niners, I think, just based on the uh, home field advantage. I think their defense is is pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, wouldn't surprise me if Seattle go out and get a get a win here. The big thing for mine here is how good is the fucking NFC West? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's probably the best division in football. I I think without doubt. Yeah. Mm. What? Um, yeah, I've gone 49ers as well, um, based off home field advantage. Um, they are favourites, $1.67. Seattle's out at $2.22. And we've got total match points of 52. Quite high. Mm. Yeah, the Seahawks can put up points, though. I'm not sure if 49ers can chase them enough. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it will be interesting. Then we, move in, yeah, then we move into Baltimore Ravens taking on uh, the Denver Broncos, 2-1 and one and 3-0, and oh, respectively. Uh, as mentioned, the Ravens stuck home in that last game. They did have a lot of players out with COVID protocols. The Ravens are one of the clubs consistent from last year as well. They've been struggling for the, with the old Coco. Um, Howard Brown did drop three passes, uh, three touchdowns, sorry, not passes, three touchdowns in this, um, potentially open, uh, and you know, could have put up some extra points to put them ahead against the Lions. Yeah, uh, reminiscent of a young Pizzullo in the end zone. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I was young. <laughs> Denver, on the other hand, they went three, uh, currently 3-0. and um, They did shut out the Jets, as I mentioned before. Their defense has looked really good, um, only allowed 26 points on the season. We do have a few injuries. Um, KJ Hamler is out with an ACL for the season. He's done. And both Glasgow and Reisner, the starting guards, have their respective knee and foot injuries. Um, both didn't practice today. Not sure whether they will, maybe one of them will be back. Unsure if either will play in this week's game. Um, I think Peps wanted to mention it. Uh, the combined record of Denver's com- opponents is 0-9. Mm. Uh, so uh, they really enter the meaty part of their schedule and, you know, there's a lot of really good teams on it. Uh they potentially could not win another game for the next two months um, with the, the record of the, with the guys. Coming. Well, I think they've got Ravens, they've got Chiefs, um, Chiefs, and they've got Raiders, I think, twice in that time frame. Steelers as well. There's a lot, yep. there's a lot of really good football teams in there. And, mm-hmm. they, again, they could lose a lot of them. This is probably a really big test for them. I've picked Denver because I'm a, ho- a homer in here. Um, <laughs> this one, of course. Uh, but it's it's... A game I could see them winning just with the way the Ravens have gone, the slowish start and all their issues they've kind of got over there, sneaking home against the Lions. Um, it is in Denver, and Denver has an excellent crowd. I think they had the highest attendance for crowd um, last week as well. Um, so maybe that makes a difference, whatever it is. Very interesting to see. I think it's going to be a good game of football. Um, but it'll be a true test of where Denver's at um, so far in the season. Yeah, can't wait for this one. I've gone the Ravens. Uh... I'm not entirely convinced on this Denver's side on the offensive side of the ball. I think defensively they're legit. I think they're very strong. Um, And, look, I'm not super confident with this pick, especially seeing the way that Baltimore played against the Detroit Lions. They should get some players back off the COVID protocol list this week. Uh, But I've gone Baltimore with not much confidence. Mark, the deciding pick and the odds, if you will. Hmm. Yep. Um, so I have gone Baltimore as well. Um, they are favourites heading to the matchup at a dollar eighty-four. The Broncos are only out at a dollar ninety-seven at the moment. That's so close. very, very close. Uh, I think it's one of the closest matchup in terms of betting odds this week. And we've got total match points of forty-five and a half. Yeah, I was going to say it was going to be low. Um, mm. I think they could put that on. It might be a closeover, so maybe it's not worth touching, but I think they can do that. Let's move forward into Pittsburgh at Green Bay. The Steelers are 1-2 and two after upsetting Buffalo in week one. They've since lost to the Raiders and the Bengals. We spoke about it uh, before. Big Ben, he's looking a little bit old. He had uh, two picks against the Bengals. Uh, a, a bright spark, at least for fantasy owners, is the rookie Najee Harris out of Alabama. He had 14 receptions on 19 targets. I think that's more of a function of uh, the Steelers not being able to throw the ball deep. Big Ben yeah. going check down. Maybe that's an arm strength thing. Yeah, maybe. I think you mentioned it with age. The old Big Ben maybe um, it's it's really caught up to him very quickly. That uh, yeah, maybe the deep ball's gone away from him. Um, Hey, that's good for Harris uh, fantasy owners if he's getting 14 catches a, a week. Sure, uh, especially PPR. Uh, the Packers, on the other hand, they had that uh, kind of miraculous win on Sunday Night Football uh, at the 49ers. Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones uh, showing why they're 
uh, premier guys in the league and that big Mason Crosby field goal uh, for the win. Uh, boys, who have we got here? Obviously, me as Cheesehead at Lambeau, starting to show a little bit of promise after that very disappointing first week. I have gone the Packers. Same here. Packers. Yep, I've gone Packers as well. Um, as you mentioned, Steelers' um, offense is going is a little bit slow at the moment. Um, their defense hasn't really been able to help them too much. Obviously, with TJ Watt um, still injured, I believe. Um, so Green Bay are favorites. Um, $1.32. Um, Steelers are out at $3.44 at the moment. And we've got total match points of 45 and a half. Don't mind the overs there, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think I, th- mm. I think Green Bay will, will try and push the envelope early here. That Steelers defense uh, that last year was was very scary. Uh, not quite where they were at. Obviously, TJ Watt being out doesn't help that. Uh, but let's let's move into the big one, boys. Sunday night football. There's a reason why this is prime time. The theater of it. The uh, the the entertainment that comes with professional sports, That's the return of the goat, the return of the king. For any fans out there. I am talking about Tom Brady going back to Foxborough, Massachusetts, to take on the team that he was with, what, for about 240 years. That is the New England Patriots. Uh, they, they're coming off a loss to the Saints. We all picked uh, the Saints in that one. Mac Jones looked like a bit of a rookie in that with three picks. James White, uh, quite a severe hip injury, it seems. I think he will be out for a number of weeks. And uh, and Mac Jones kind of picking up a bit of rapport with Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers. Uh, the Bucks, the Super Bowl champs, a lot of people had them going undefeated this year. They're They've copped an L to the Rams. Um, Brady led them in rushing yards. That's testament to where they were in the game. They were behind the whole time. They had to throw throw the pigskin and try and catch up. Um, and all eyes will be on that man returning to uh, the place that he brought so much joy to so many fans for so long. And uh, Richard Sherman has been picked up by the Bucks. What's your understanding of this one, boys? What's going on here? Well, yep. Bucks secondary, yeah, just they're decimated at the moment. Um, He's been talking about that all year as well. Monks <laughs> saying, "Hey, I'm worried about the Bucks secondary," and we're like, "Nah, they're okay, they're all good." And I think the Rams really show that. Oh, maybe there's a few holes there. Deshaun Jackson mm. just killed them with the speed. So um, that's it. I'm not sure if Richard Sherman fixes that, but hey, a veteran presence and talent like him, uh, you don't always want to add someone like that to your. Uh, defensive back room, so maybe fixes that hole like Monkey um, thought they potentially needed another person there. Multiple mm. profiler, he's been you know there with with Seattle uh, right to um, you know to a Super Bowl win. Look, he's going to bring some veteran presence uh, at least out, out of anything. Maybe some mentoring. Was he on the Niners team when they went to the Super Bowl? Yeah. I think he was on the Niners, and I think he was on the Seahawks when. He's definitely on the. He's won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah. Them. yeah. Um, I just couldn't remember if he was on that one where they went. Yeah, I feel like yeah. he, I feel like he was. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, he definitely brings that veteran presence. I don't think it's necessarily going to help the secondary 
immediately. I think it is more of that mentorship sort of sort of space. Um, I guess his production has dropped off um, over the last couple of years. Um, not to say that that can't can't change. Um, I mean, obviously Tom Brady is still killing it at the moment, so maybe we can see a resurgence in Sherman. Um, Tom Brady like, on that stem cell shit, but he, <laughs> he's on something different. That's it. Well, maybe maybe now that Sherman's on on the on the Bucks team, um, Brady can hook him up with something, and they can <laughs> they can wind back the clock a little bit for Sherman as well. Um, how, how old is he? Sherman. On Richard Sherman, he'd only be early to mid thirties. Thirty three. There you go. Yeah. That's not past it in the NFL. Uh, you know. It's old for a cornerback, though. It is. It is. But, hey, we'll, we'll see how it goes um, over there. Maybe he just needs to fill in a, a role um, and help the young guys they've got over there. Uh, sure. But in this yeah. game, I don't think any of us are picking anyone else but the Bucks. Um, uh, Patriots still got a long way to go. Mac Jones has looked pretty good. Uh, they've asked him to throw 50 passes, I think, twice um, already this season. So, um, they are obviously really like him. Um, I just don't think he's receiving talent um, is where it needs to be um, for that squad. Um, we didn't mention him, and uh, I think Josh Gordon with them last, or was he with Patriots last? I can't remember. Anyway, Josh Gordon's now with the Chiefs. Yeah, Patriots, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Miss, missed that bit of news before. Josh Gordon is on the Chiefs. He's on the practice squad. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have a full roster spot just yet. Uh, obviously had an incredible year or two uh, back in the day with the Cleveland Browns and has... Uh, 2013. Yeah, a, a long time ago. So I don't think any fantasy relevance. Um, look, I've, seen, I've seen everyone, the memes yeah. joking about, it's like, he's, it's been ages since he's not relevant. He's going to the Chiefs, like, you know, and but they go, oh, projection, 76 catches, 1,200 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like, because he's just on the Chiefs. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Physically, he's a specimen. He's got the talent to do it. Uh, obviously, been through a lot of adversity in his career. So, be interesting to see what happens there with Josh Gordon at the Chiefs. But obviously, uh, look, an undernote really in the, in what's going on in NFL. Um, amongst the but not, old, sorry, if, but not receiving talent, they can help Patriots. Is what I meant. So why? Yeah, no, no, not at all. Just not this. We all pick Tampa. Yeah, I just double checked that he. Um, I don't know if he got cut or he must have got cut from Patriots. He was at the Seahawks. Um, I couldn't remember the order. Was last, yeah, Seahawks was last year. Okay, yeah, that's it. Um, sorry, yeah. So we're going bucks here. Um, they are favorites at dollar thirty-one. The Patriots are out at three dollars forty-seven, and we've got a line of forty-nine and a half. Total match points. Yeah, total match points. 49, that's like a, that's like when oh, yeah. Alabama, Alabama plays an uh, Appalachian state or something in there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, Monday Night Football, this is a juicy, juicy matchup in the AFC West. We've got the undefeated Las Vegas Raiders taking on the 2-1 and one Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, boys, the Raiders coming off the uh, overtime win against the Dolphins there. Uh, we mentioned it before, Peyton Barber, very big in the absence of Josh Jacobs. And the Chargers pulling off one of the upsets of the year, going over to Arrowhead and getting a win there. Justin Herbert was close to perfect, 26 of 38 for 281 yards and four touchdowns. And I'll tell you who we need to talk about. 
Mark Williams. The bloke was uh, out of Clemson. He was a first-round pick, I think seventh overall. He's shown a little bit, um, but not really a seventh overall kind of talent. Until Everyone's been waiting for his breakout. His yeah, flight. it seems like it's this year. It seems like it's this year. He had two touchdowns against the Chiefs. He's had four TDs on the season. It is early days. He's second uh, overall in, in fantasy uh, for wide receivers. He's a big man. The contested ball, he'll go up and get it. Um, interesting to see uh, Mike Williams coming along this year. Who are we picking, though? Who, what, what's your choice in this one? Because it is a pretty important battle um, in the AFC West because uh, Raiders and Denver both been a 3-0, Chargers 2-1, and, and then they've got, remember, the Chiefs are going to be hunting them down at the bottom of the division currently at 1-2. and two. Um, So any divisional battle like this is super important. Uh, especially with Chiefs, uh, with the Chargers already beating the Chiefs. Um, they'll take a 2-0 lead in the division um, for their divisional battles. I'm going to go Chargers at home. And that might not reflect what I've said in the past. I haven't picked um, the Raiders, but it's a hard one. To... No, maybe I'll back myself in for my previous thoughts. Go the Raiders. Oh, you <laughs> I was all over the Raiders here. I, I thought Derek Carr and uh, and that, that offense, he's spreading the ball. He's getting Waller involved. He's getting Renfro involved. He's getting Brian Edwards involved. Josh Jacobs may or may not be healthy, but we saw Peyton Barber uh, play a role there. Oh, I've gone the, the Las Vegas Raiders, but not – that's to take nothing away from this this uh, Chargers side who have been very, very good. And any team that can go to Kansas City and get a win uh, can't be ruled out of the, of the equation. But I've gone the Raiders. Yeah. Mm. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game and really could go either way. Um, just looking at um, the Raiders that led up. They're given 28 to the Finns, 27 to the Ravens. But not the Steelers. The luckless Steelers to only 17 points. Um well, close I, see, I can see the talent on the Chargers side, but I'm going to stick mm. with my original thoughts and think where the Raiders have been playing. They've been playing pretty well, especially in prime time. Oh, uh, yeah. Not getting on TV, so in a Monday <laughs> night game. Uh, it's not it's not in Vegas, so I can't go to overtime, but um, they've been doing doing pretty well. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, I've gone Raiders as well. Obviously, both um, teams have very electric um Offense, offenses, um, but yeah, Raiders I think just are too good at the moment. Obviously, with um, leading um, in yards per game or total yards anyway for offense, um, they do go into this matchup as underdogs. Um, they're sitting at two dollars thirty-eight at the moment. Charges wow. are a dollar fifty-nine, and we've got a line of fifty-two and a half. Yeah, so the bookies reckon a few points in this one. So we've mm. all backed an underdog here. That is quite unusual on the SU. Uh, I'm getting manly, manly vibes here. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, yeah. that, that'll wrap up our NFL chat, boys. Week four, can't wait. Um, look, we obviously love our NFL here on the Esky, uh, but we might need to move into the final round. Yeah, so yeah, final round kick us <laughs> off. Uh, let's talk about the UFC um, and talk about the the fighting that's happened over the weekend because there's been a lot of um, really good or well, big news to come out. 
Uh, mm. UFC 266, and I think Huge we're going to... Yeah, we'll start with the main event and then do it in reverse order because we like to confuse people. Um, but we <laughs> want to talk about Alex Voltsinger-Noxley, as I mentioned um, in the intro. He did retain his belt, but what a fight. Ended up being a complete war against Brian Ortega, um, especially that third round. Um, there was, I think, at least two guillotine attempts and there's a triangle attempt in that round alone. And I think there was another guillotine in the following round as well. Two of those were very, very deep. Um, and I think Volk's quote where they um, they were, oh, fuck, I'm going to lose the belt deep um, was his quote. So, uh, But um, I think I joked to you boys that uh, Volk doesn't need oxygen to breathe because those, those guillotines looked very, very tight. Mate, I think the bloke's got gills. I think uh, he breathes out of his neck or something <laughs> like a fish. Um, I had Volk via KO or TKO. Uh, my mate and, and listener of the Esky, shout out to you, Johnny uh, Cronin-Dixon, if you're listening, he had Ortega via submission. And yeah. uh, and the back and forth between us as we were watching this one was insane. Uh, the, I don't know what Volk had, had greased himself up with to, to slip out of something. <laughs> there was times, there was times when you were looking at his bald head and it was a completely different colour to the rest of his body I thought Ortega had 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 got him in the canteen or in that triangle, and somehow managed to weasel out of it. And I tell you what, outside of those submission attempts, it was all Volk in this. His Dumbass. his stand up his stand up game much superior to Ortega. Uh, he inflicted a lot of damage uh, with his striking, um, and obviously as Australians, uh, very happy to see him come away with uh, with the belt here. Uh, or defending his belt, I should say. Uh, 20 wins in a row for Volk. That's nothing to sneeze at. And uh, his his post-match uh, was was very interesting. No no Rogan there, unfortunately. So so uh, it was big DC, Daniel Cormier. He's about twice the size of Volkanovsky. Uh, he, he had the post-match um, or the post-fight uh, uh, honours, if you will. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Volk just said... You know, as as true blue as you can say, it, I'm doing it for you guys back home. He's obviously seen a bit of what's going on with, uh, you know, the the lockdowns and and unfortunately protests and riots and that. And he said, I, I do it for my family, I do it for myself, I do it for my gym, and I do it for you guys back home. So made me pretty pretty proud to be Australian, I, I must say. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the result was did go to judges' decision. Um, uh, I had Otago only taken one round. Um, two of the judges um, gave all the rounds to Vulcan. One actually gave him a 10-8 in one of the rounds. Uh, I couldn't say I saw a 10-8 in there. Yeah, quite unusual. Yeah, but he did dominate throughout um, and did win quite convincingly in this fight. Um, mm. There was a little bit of back and forth after this from Oscar De, De La Hoya, uh, who um, did pull out of his fight against Belford because maybe he didn't want any of that. Um, uh, but, you know, they went... They went back and forth on fighter pay with Dana White. Um, mm. That is a much larger uh, conversation than I think we need to go into because um, Dana White likes to compare the UFC to the NFL a little bit, but the NFL has a unions and medical benefits and a whole bunch of other stuff that the UFC doesn't. Um, so it's probably not worth a conversation going into, but uh, you look at what the, um, say, the heavyweight fight we'll talk about at the end in boxing and what they're getting paid to what, um, say, Volk will get um, in this which uh, may be lucky to push half a mil. 
uh, there's a very very different um you know segment of fighter pay uh what the usc makes from their pay-per-views sure mm. you know who probably doesn't care that much alexander volkanovsky like he doesn't seem to be that kind of guy that wants to cruise around in the Lamborghini and wear the, you know, a Conor McGregor, if you will. Um, <laughs> he seems pretty happy just being the best at what he does. I can't speak for the bloke, but that's what I that's what I tend to uh, see when I when I watch Volk. Um, mm. Look, it's 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 going to be something that we talk about again on the Esky, the fight of pay, the discrepancies. Uh, if Volk wanted to go do one of these you know, uh, exhibition boxing matches, let's say, against, uh, you know, a, a, a Paul brother or a Tyrone Woodley or something like that, of course he could make a lot, mo- a lot more money. Um, he's, I think he's pretty happy just being, um, you know, dominant in, in his chosen profession and, uh, and no one's coming close at the moment. And we've got, we've got an Australian champion that no one can beat. So, so for mine as a fight fan, that's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. So um, we've got a note here, potentially Max Holloway, maybe they do the trilogy. Um, uh, Henry Cenudo, um had been in the chat recently, like, hey, give me that fight because um, uh, that would be another division up for him, featherweight, because he's got the yeah. banter and the straw yeah. from memory. Uh, well, he had those belts before he relinquishes them. So come up but to C- another C- division. No, and if you wouldn't mind, Monks, just chasing this up, Cejudo hasn't fought for over two years. Am I, am I right in saying that? Pretty, I'd say pretty close. I don't think he's fought. He didn't fight leading up to COVID, and I don't think he's 2019 might have been his last one. Yeah, I, I feel like it's mm. it's it's over two years. I'd be very surprised if he could come up and, and knock off the champ. Oh, there you go. The last one was May 2020. Cejudo. Mm. Yep. Against okay. uh, uh, Dominic, Dominic Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's under what I was saying. That's 16 months. So maybe not that far removed from from taking on Volkanovski, uh, and obviously for, former UFC champion. Look for me, oh, I think it's got to be a Holloway uh, three peat a trilogy. I think that's what the fans want to see. Oh, uh, there was bloody Colin McGregor as well, and um, I think and, her, Volk as well was like, oh, wait until you get down to this division. You haven't been able to cut down to this division in five years or something like that. So yeah, I don't see that happening. Don't say that happening, but contrary to what I was just saying, if you want that cash grab, Volk, <laughs> take that McGregor fight, take that McGregor fight, and that would be great. A lot of Irish expats yeah, living here in Australia, I'm sure uh, we'd like to get a little bit lippy with them and if uh, if he was able to pull that one off. He's also, what, three inches shorter and uh, well well smaller than, than Conor McGregor is. Yeah, well, Connor did, of course, win this belt originally um, in that in that division, but he had to cut a lot of weight to make it, and it's been a long time since he fought in featherweight. Very That's true. what happened in the prelims. Probably only two to highlight. Uh, Dan Hooker, he uh, he got his decision um, over the Nazrat uh, Hakparis. Let's let's go with that uh, <laughs> Af- Afghan uh, German fella. Uh, so good to see Dan Hooker getting that one. But the, the main thing out of the prelims was uh, Mirab the Machine Devashili getting uh, an upset victory over Marlon Moraes in the bantamweight. Uh, this is a, an insane turnaround in, in this fight. 
Marais had him on toast. He nearly knocked him out, uh, but he spent a bit of gas. And then the machine came out in the second round and got a win. Uh, it's good to see sometimes in the prelims uh, fights that are worth talking about. I'd keep an eye on this fella. He's he's Georgian. Uh, he wears the Khabib hat um, after his fights. Um, yeah, Marab the Machine, the Vashili. Uh, but moving on to into the main card. Can I just, uh, can I just yeah, throw in? Yeah, I did yeah. look it up. Conor McGregor's last featherweight fight was 2015 when he beat Aldo to win that belt, which is also a belt he never defended. So that was the last time he ever fought in there, which is a long time ago. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if it happened. Agree. What happened in the, what happened in the main card, Daddy? We had Jessica Andrade. Uh, she took on Cynthia Cavill, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Mexican-American fighter, and uh, she made pretty light work of it. Uh, it was a first-round TKO for Andrade. Uh, Cavillo, interestingly, had never been finished in the UFC, and uh, and Andrade made light work of her. Uh, should she get another crack at uh, at Valentina Shevchenko? That that's the question that remains. She's number one ranked. It makes sense. It makes sense. From oh, let's just go to it now. From from what we saw in uh, in the Shevchenko Lauren Murphy fight. Yep. She, Hats off to Lauren Murphy. She lasted four rounds before copping the TKO. However, if you took a picture of Valentina Shevchenko's face after this fight, there was not a scratch, a bruise, a bit of sweat, I don't think, on on her face after this. This one went four rounds, but it could have easily gone one round. She's hands down the best fighter in her division. And also, she speaks about four languages. I don't know if you guys caught the, the <laughs> presser. I think I heard. I think I heard English. I think I heard Portuguese. I definitely heard Thai, and uh, there might have been a few others thrown in there. Um, the question for me with with uh, with with the bullet is: Will she fight Nunes? Do you think? Do you, or do you think she'll just stay where she's at? Stuff. Oh. Stop putting the weight on and just keep cleaning out these bitches. Yeah, well, it's a great point because they fought twice. Um, and and Nunes, Nunes won both pretty comfortably. Yeah, well, I, the first one was a decision which was unanimous uh, to Nunes, which was three rounds. Um, uh, it was a unanimous decision, but that last round, Shiteko was very much winning that. And so they always thought, hey, if they went five rounds, that um, she'd push Nunes. Um, mm. Looking at her record in the last, uh, I'm going to say, 20 fights, she's had two losses, both of them to Nunes. Yeah. Um, but the other one, which was the decision, which ended up being a split decision, um, of course, a split decision, so one judge thought that Shevchenko had won that fight. Um, it's actually come out in the media today that Valentina says, Nunes doesn't want that third fight because they know they gifted her the, the second one. So um, she's, she's like, we're already calling our shots. Like, the problem is they are by far the two best women in mixed martial arts um, at a very similar, you know, crossover weight division. Um, there's just no one else close to them. And I was just trying to look at the f- women's flyweight division for challenges, and there's no one. Like, there's no one in the top ten that's even ready to fight Shevchenko. Um, they're, just, they're, just too, they're just too small. It, it just makes sense for Shevchenko to go up than any 
of these these smaller girls, you know, like a Rose Namahunas or a Jay Wang or, or or one of these smaller girls to go up. If, yeah. well, if if they come up into you know into the flyweight division, like yeah, they've already making weight to come up there. Like it's, I don't think it's. And we've seen with Shevchenko, she's only just competing. You know, well, she's had really close fights with Nunes. It's definitely a challenge, but um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, it sounds like that's what it sounds like with that. Some of those media announcements, that's the angle they're pushing for that trilogy. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't mm. think it's been overly active. Of well, she won recently, but besides that, I don't think she was overly active. Double I think Dana will be pushing for that. I think uh, you know, for to kind of bring in the casual, um, you know, the, the the people that only know the big names in in women's MMA to see uh, Shevchenko Nunes. Uh, three, I think, you know, who wouldn't want to see it, really? Yeah, and Nunes, as mentioned, she's only fought twice in the last two years, so once a year. Um, so she has to slow down her activity. Um, was two times a year, three times a year. Like, um, yeah, she slowed down a little bit and probably picking her opponents. Um, oh, yeah, she hasn't really probably got, she's got no opponents. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. She's cleaned it out. Yeah, yeah. and Shevchenko's at the exact same spot, so maybe it makes sense that they run that back for a trilogy. And I think they could fight to the end of time, and everyone would you tune in every week to see um, what's going to happen in this in the mm. next one. That's it. Um, just before we move on, I just want to go back to the stats on this this fight, and just really just reiterate um, what you said, perhaps about Shevchenko right. just looking real good at the end of the. Did I, did I say lion playing with her food? That was my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shevchenko landed 132 um, strikes off. 204 murphy landed 19 strikes off 100 Gilda. and look to yeah. your point sean i think that's more strikes than the food would land on the lion uh <laughs> the uh the comparison is still valid i believe uh i was actually i was watching this with the wife uh, uh man sarah uh, i actually bought one this is, i think this is the the first time that I bought one, we'll keep that one on the on the down low. And uh, Sarah was looking at uh, at Bullet, just going, "Oh, she's scary." <laughs> <laughs> just the, she's just so quick, though. The way that she, she throws those kicks, um, she's she's a class above anyone else. And I'd be very surprised if anyone in the flyweight uh, division can can uh, can knock her off the throne. For mine, I want to see Shevchenko Nunes three. Yeah. Mm. So there was two other fights that were on this main card that we haven't talked about. There was the heavyweight fight with Curtis Blades um, taking on Rosenstrike. Uh, Blades did win by unanimous decision. Uh, a bit of a classic Blades fight, for my opinion. Uh, wrestled the shit out of it, took the takedowns, uh, avoid the power shots because he did get his eye messed up um, from one. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, nice knee, some nice punches there. But, yeah, it's classic um, Blades. Uh, get it to the ground, beat, beat his opponent up. Um Win by decision. So um, nothing too much to write home by, about in this one for, for mine. Yeah, a few boos coming out from the crowd. I can understand it. Not the most entertaining fight, I suppose, uh, for for the viewer, for the punter. Uh, I thought Rosenstrike might have tried to be a bit more aggressive, uh, try and take him on with, with his striking, which we've seen be so deadly in the past. Uh, but but Blades is a world-class wrestler, and he, he knows his strengths. He doesn't need to go out there and put himself at risk by standing up. Uh, he, he got his takedowns. 
Uh, and and look, like you mentioned, Sean, Rosenstrike landed that knee. Uh, one or two more of those land on, on Curtis's head, and it's not it's it's good night, Curtis. So played it really smartly, I thought. Uh, did razor blades, and that comes away with the heavyweight win there. Yep. Marks, can you get me some statistics on the middleweight fight between Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz? Um, while I give it an intro, I want to know their strikes, their total punches thrown. Because the Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz, on the other hand, was a, a slugfest or, yeah. or a gunfight, as in they just came out and threw everything at will. Um, Robbie Lawler, for me, did look more exp- explosive and threw the better hooks. But Nick Diaz looked slower, but everything he threw landed. And it was yeah. just very crisp with his boxing, no threat of takedowns in this one. It was going to be all strikes, um, and it was plenty of strikes. Did finish in the second round with a TKO to Robbie Lawler. A um, lot of respect between the blokes, 16 oh, years round. in the making. Uh, third round, sorry. Yeah, I thought it went a little bit longer than that. Third round um, TKO. I think that was probably my undoing in the notes there, but... Uh... Yeah, look, look, how good was this to see two two older guys? We we kind of we've spoken about it on the Esky before when you see old guys and they look kind of washed up and it's scary and it's sad. These guys still look like they could fucking pound and yeah. uh, and and hats off to them. Robbie Lawler, former uh, champ Diaz, who hadn't fought for what six years was it at, yeah. at UFC level? Um, and like you say, Sean, look, he wasn't he wasn't touched slower, but he could land him. And uh, this was really entertaining and, and, and good for to bring in kind of the older fan, um, you know, people that had kind of followed the sport for, for a little while. And, uh, yeah, and to see, see Lawler and Diaz uh, going at it again, it's one all. Uh, any chance yeah. that they run it back once more? They might both be 40 when they do it. Yeah, I, I, for Nick, I don't think they'll ring, run this one back for Nick. It's kind of interesting, some of his comments. It seems like he was kind of pressured into this more than not, and that might have contributed to um, the weight change in the in the middleweight. Like he wasn't into this, trying to do the weight cut to go mm-hmm. down from what ended up being a middleweight fight down to um, welterweight. So, yeah, it was a bit interesting, some of the chat for that, and some of the stuff wasn't right with Nick um, in his post-match is what he was, post-fight is what he was saying. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think there's potentially some fun fights there they can have for Nick. Um, definitely draw eyeballs like like this kind of one running back Robbie. That's where it's, where it's where combat sports is at the moment. That's kind of what everyone wants to see um, is those interesting fights that draw you in. Um, so yeah, he's not going to get anyone ranked. They'll have to find someone that makes sense for Nick. Um, but yeah, Robbie Lawler, of course, not ranked either. Uh, not sure he he also needs some fun fights probably to finish out his career too. Um, do they run it back? Um, Potentially not, I don't think. Um, it's kind of interesting how this ended. Nick Diaz kind of um, took a big shot. Um, I think it was a right hook and stayed down on his knees and didn't get back up. Looked like he may have broken his nose and that that was it for, for him. Um, and, yeah, if his heart wasn't in it and wasn't really in the space, even though, hey, it was a fight and he, um, you know, that was a, a reason. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm done. I've, <laughs> I've already getting wailed on. Um, we've beaten each other up. You've seen enough. Um I break my nose, I'm done. Yeah, and hats off to him. Look, it's, yeah. it's pretty easy for someone to sit back in their lounge chair and and criticise a bloke for not going around again. Uh, but you know, once once your nose is broken, it's a, it's a different story, I guess. So look, I, I was happy with the with the three rounds of entertainment that these guys provided. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, um, do you want to go to the stats real quick? 
Yeah, thank you. I did ask you to get that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so um, yeah, crazy. So total strikes. So I'll start with significant strikes. Uh, pretty much every single strike and strike in this fight was significant strikes. Mm. So we had for Nick Diaz, he had 150 um, significant strikes land off 339. Um, so very three, productive there. In three rounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very, very productive. And uh, Robbie Lawler had 131 um, significant strikes off yeah. 221. So volume, it was all Diaz. Yeah, 500 yeah. punches in three in three rounds is uh, is good. That's entertaining. <laughs> very. Definitely gave the fans what they were after. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, backing up after the lackluster heavyweight fight, I think they were very much enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. After that, um, they did have the Hall of Fame announcements. Um, some guys that we grew up with, like GSP, going into the Hall of Fame. John Jones got inducted into the Hall of Fame, of course, was in Vegas then. Um, had too much alcohol by all accounts. Uh, got a misdemeanor for domestic abuse with his family, his wife and his kids. Uh, got arrested. So it's not looking real great for him. Um, uh I think he's going to be all right being a misdemeanor, but we'll have to see what happens with that. Some people say and throw the book at him. He's had too many chances in the UFC. Um, get him out. But who knows? He's trying to angle for the heavyweight. He's supposed to be at 270 pounds. Um, it looks like what well, is interesting, though, um, after that happened, after his recent arrest, um, they did move him down in the pound-for-pound pound ranking. Usman is now number one, and John Jones is now number two. Full disclosure, I am a big John Jones fight uh, fight fan inside the octagon. This this out of out of the octagon behaviour, it's got to stop. It's um it's it's making it really hard, uh you know, on John Jones fans. Let alone what's happened, you know, here here domestically. We don't know the full details. I don't want to get into it too much, but um. We're talking about a guy who should literally be spoken about as up there in the conversation of being one of the best fighters of all time and just keeps having these out-of-the-octagon indiscretions. Uh, he's got to stand that shit out. It's It's got to go. And and I feel for his family. I feel for his fiancée here. Um, obviously, it's in the, in the public eye. But, look, for mine, I don't... For me, I, I put where you are as a bloke and as a human being above your accolades uh, in in your sport or you know the, the things that you've been able to achieve. And he's he's got to get rid of this shit. He's he's only going to keep losing fans. He's only going to keep losing popularity and uh, mm. and possibly deservedly, he might end up in jail if he keeps doing this shit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Well said, well said, baby. Um, Marks, do you want to finish this off on the UFC? What's Israel Adesanya doing? Yeah, um, so I guess sort of backing up what he um, said last week and how he came out um, around, I guess, New Zealand government and their lockdown restrictions and how that was affecting um, not only his camp, Dan Hooker's camp, but the sport in general in New Zealand. Uh, He announced this week on Instagram that he's actually moving his camp uh, across to um, the US. Uh, So I suppose rather than um, being siloed in New Zealand, he's going to silo himself over in the US. So if any of these sort of restrictions or if, I guess, COVID, um, the COVID environment gets any worse, um, 
he doesn't have to worry too much about um, lockdowns and quarantining and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, be- I believe yeah. Welk and Dan Hooker also, they all come out of city kickboxing and I potentially think the mm. whole of city kickboxing, the camp is moving to the US, uh, looking to re- rebase themselves um, uh, probably in Vegas around where the USC headquarters, um, at least for the foreseeable future with international travel, just so they can continue their careers um, at this stage. Which is, is massive because that's a huge gym at the moment. They've got two world champions and um, some guys there and thereabouts. So, yeah. Boys, I, I tend to harp on it on this uh, on this podcast, but uh, it's something that's always in the background is how how uh, strict that Australia and New Zealand have gone uh, at the at this virus, and uh, and we're starting to see it. We're going to start losing high profile athletes, uh, and I think Izzy was saying. You know that this that the Super Rugby, um, you know, within New Zealand was allowed to go ahead. Um, with the NRL obviously operating in mm. bubbles. Um, he's saying, you know, there's no consistency. I just want to go and train with a few guys, you know, three or four guys, and go home. The New Zealand government said no, and they've lost, you know, one of their one of their premier athletes. Uh, it does seem like Volk and, and Hooker will will go and train out of the United States as well. Uh, and to be honest, I can't blame them. I can't blame them. It's again, this is a sports podcast. You don't want to get too political, but it's starting to become a little bit of a joke, I think, uh, in terms of uh, how how shut down and locked down this country is compared to uh, say say America or Europe. But uh, look, we, we we'll, let's keep it on the sports. That's the news. That's what's happening. Uh, those guys will go train out of the US. And I mentioned final point, final point, and I mentioned it very quickly. The USC Hall of Fame. I know GSP, Mark Coleman, John Jones were inducted. Was there any others, Max? Mm. Um, I believe. Uh, if I'm I looking... glossed over that very quickly, but they are all excellent names. In the yeah, book. no, that's it. I, yeah, I also just remembered it when we we're talking about John Jones, because um, he got inducted for his fight with um, Gufferson um, mm. back in the day. Um, I think uh, probably shout out to Dustin Poirier. Um, for receiving the inaugural Forrest Griffin Community Award um, for his foundation work. Um, who else? Um, yes, well, that's most notable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know the GSP got in there um, for mm. his career, and then Mark Coleman, one of the originals of the UFC, also got yep. in. Uh, uh, Kevin Randleman as well. That's the one. So yep. Randleman and Coleman went back and forth a fair bit. Team mm. I believe. Um, so to finish our combat sports news, we should talk about boxing. And Ooh. Anthony Joshua had hip fight on the weekend, and he lost. Um, he mm. went down to the Ukrainian. Uh, big big boil over here, wasn't it? Uh, we kind of took this one for granted. Joshua goes through, and we start setting up these fury fights. But Alexander Yusik had uh, had something else to say about it. He's 34. He's from Ukraine, and he's undefeated. Uh, so maybe people sleeping on him a little bit. Uh, he, he had to come up from cruiserweight, so maybe people were concerned. Uh, would he have the power? Would he have the strength to match it with one of the best boxers uh, at the heavyweight division? Um, and it, it went the distance this one, didn't it? But but Usyk mm. really gave him, I think, a bit of a, a toweling up in this fight. Yep, touched him up. Um, I don't think he got a knockdown. He wobbled him a couple of times. Mm. Credit to Joshua's. Um, uh, recovery ability as well but yeah he's 
just out, out outclassing, which is kind of surprising, um, considering we're talking about Anthony Joshua here. Um, yeah. Aimed yeah. in the heavyweight division, and like you mean, like those Fury fights are now solely on hold because there'll be an automatic rematch. I'm pretty sure of this. We'll have to go through that. Um, it does beg the question for Fury doing his rematch already with Wilder. Um, hopefully he can get through that okay, and then we can replan this all again. And hey, we'll see you in another year's time, and <laughs> maybe we get get these fires eventually fighting. But yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a fight everyone wants to see the two countrymen, but they um, one of them can't keep his belts, and the other one's kind of waiting in the wings and got to do his own rematch. So that's it. Um, I mean, we can't forget that Joshua also lost to Andy Ruiz Jr. back in 2019 as well. Um, quickly won that belt back. Um, but yeah, so probably, yeah, I don't know what that says about Joshua and his mentality around these fights, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think the Ukrainian's going to eat all the tacos in between their rematch. Who has did? So <laughs> we'll have to see uh, what happens there. But yeah, it's just it's another six months essentially. You've Got to wait um, for any decision about another fight happening, which will then be another six months later. We're not talking another year before. To be honest, it, it doesn't bother me that much. Uh, this kind of mm-hmm. came as a shock. Um, you know, casual boxing fan here, I can admit that. But uh, th- this keeps it really spicy uh, with another guy. Uh, you know that that you got to throw in into contention for being a heavyweight mm. champ, and uh, I think it might have been a few episodes ago on the Esky, and I was challenging you boys to say who's the who's the top ten boxers in the world at the moment, and Alexander Usyk has has to be in that in that discussion, I guess. Um, you know, I think for for casual boxing fans, I think this is good for boxing. Um, it, it's very unexpected, very unexpected for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. But look, look, don't mind it. An, ups- an upset and an underdog story is always welcome here, I think. That's it. And I think, yeah, uh, you, you made a good point there. Like, this is a good good thing for for boxing because it sort of says um, not all the excitement is around at these exhibition matches. Like, we can have good professional fights. Like, we can start storylines here. And, um, yeah. The problem we have that I'm going to mention here with that, though, Max, is how many people actually remember that Anthony Joshua was having this fight on the weekend. Um, that uh, is I, true. I, I very much woke up and was like, oh, yeah, Anthony Joshua was fighting on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. oh, lost. Well, me, me and Max were playing golf, and uh, the fella that was uh, <laughs> that was doing the green fees had it had it on his little laptop, and we were like, oh, shit, Max <laughs> was fighting. How's he going? Uh, so, yeah, it did fly That's a little bit under the radar over here, uh, admittedly. But, uh, look, look, massive result, and uh, it really throws a spanner in the works as to what's going to happen uh, in, in the heavyweight division. Yeah, hopefully it's just it's that right – it's the step in the right direction. Uh, like, exhibition fights are going to be where it's at for the moment. But, um, yeah, it, it'll take time. But, yeah, hopefully we can get more of these sort of fights, more of these sort of competitions across all the weight classes. And then, mm. yeah, it gets better. Um, Monks, did you want to mention anything more about Manny Pack after you talked about it in the intro? Um, not too much, really, I guess. Um, so, yeah, obviously he retired. Um, I think he had a 62-8-2 and eight and two record from Yes. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Um, Monster is a boxer, um, dynamite power. You can't say much more about Manny. He's an absolute legend. Great politician, I heard, as well. <laughs> Vote one, yeah. pack out. Um, great, great basketballer as well. Yeah. Apparently. Hey, yeah, here's so. one for you. 
the number one sport in the Philippines? Basketball. Basketball. <laughs> Basketball mad. Basketball mad. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, for whatever genetic reason, uh, <laughs> not one that that comes with uh, Filipino genetics, uh, but they love their basketball and they love Manny, Manny Pacquiao. So shout out to him yeah. for a stellar career. That's it, definitely, yeah. Okay, boys, so let's go from fighting to motorsport and we'll talk about the F1. Uh, the head of the GP over the weekend uh, in Russia, in Sochi, uh, it was a very wet weekend. Uh, Lando was P1, Science was P2, and Russell was P3, which is you know, a very different lineup than you would expect. Uh, and then you consider Max Verstappen did start in the 20th and Lewis Hamilton was fourth. Mm, um, so Max Verstappen did take a new engine, so that's why I was back at the grid. Yes. Uh, Bottas also took a new engine, and, but he started ahead because he did qualifying. Um, but largely this race was dominated by Lando uh, throughout. And Ricardo did a really good job on the start and then also did a really good job um, through the strategy being essentially the head of the train. And he did back that train up a little bit, um, which I think went very much unnoticed that um, he's doing a lot of good support there to help Lando create a bit of a gap. Um, between him and all the competitors. Um, There was a lot of action. There was a lot of really great pit strategy, but it all didn't matter. (laughs) The last five (laughs) laps, it started to rain, um, and they all had to make decisions um, about what they were going to do with, you know, do they go to inters, do they stay on slicks? Um, I saw a a diagram that essentially had uh, all the positions of before the rain and then all the positions after where they finished and how that all moved around. And it was, you know, everyone changed positions um, significantly. Uh, the key ones I wanted to kind of mention, um, say Bottas, for example, was running 14th. He finished fifth um, in the last five round laps. Yeah. Uh, uh, Verstappen, he he did jump. Um, he jumped two positions in the uh, pit strategy. for Somehow he got in and out of the pits quicker than the guys in front of him, and I'm not sure how that all worked out, but yeah. he did. Um, so, But he ended up finished second. Um, Lando spins out. Um, he decides to stay out on inters. Ends up being the wrong decision. It rains too much. He couldn't keep the car on the road. He yeah. spins out. Finishes seventh, which was unlucky for him. It was going to be yeah. his main victory. He would have won that race. Um, but yeah. it, it didn't help him. Hamilton no, does get think... the win. He went in for inters early, came out, um, led the race. As I mentioned, Max um, had that great uh, you know, strategy to jump jump the, the train that was led by Ricardo. He finished second. Our boy Ricardo did finish fourth, and Bottas, as I mentioned, did finish fifth. So it was crazy. After all that, where they started and all that race, we still ended up with a Max Lewis 1-2. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a crazy race, but I, I thought it did show well that McLaren had turned the corner a bit. They they are starting to put themselves there as, hey, we're the third team. We're here to compete. We can compete against these other teams and these other guys. Ricardo has definitely stepped up to help support Lando. Um, and the ball, they've both been excellent for their own rights. And from where they where they were, Monza last week on one two, they've kind of started to ascend. Um, but it's still Max and Lewis's championship to lose, um, from my mind. What were your thoughts, Max? Yeah, um, yeah, great race. Um, the the rain at the towards the end definitely um, made it very very interesting. I think it was very unfortunate for for Lando to lose that lead. I think he. I mean, obviously he stayed out for one lap too too long. Um, he th- he seemed pretty confident on. I think he was running um, or was running slicks at the time. Uh, I don't know if it was a hard or medium compound. Um, obviously um, Hamilton went in the lap before to get inters for the rain, um, 
and then yeah, it was all over from there. I think even Lando, um, after he spun out, he had a little bit of incident entering pit lane as well. Um, he spun out again. Isn't, they couldn't stop the car. They had to. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to go back on the track, turn around, and come back on, um, which is usually a penalty. But they gave him um, a reprieve in this regards and said, "Hey, it was wet. You couldn't stop the car. We understand." Yeah, that's it. Got um, off so, lightly. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunate for him, but. Um, yeah, great race. I, like you said, McLaren's there or thereabouts. I think um, they're doing really well. They're, they've been able to perform really well in qualifying, which I think is what set them up in all the main races. Um, hopefully, Ricardo can um, really have a good um, end towards the season now. Um, and yeah, we'll see where, where it all ends up. Yep. Yeah, I think there's 10 races left in the season. Um, that up. Turkey, United States, seven, seven I think. Seven. Yeah. yeah. They just added Qatar, so there's eight, I think. Um, because that was the news just before the podcast kicked off. They've added Qatar as a race into the calendar for the in November, which I think uh, it's yep. going to replace um like the Japan or the Australian GP, which has already been cancelled. Uh, what yep. is interesting though, they signed a ten year deal, so they've um, gonna can have the Qatar. <laughs> race on the calendar for the next 10 years. So I'm not sure if that means there's going to be an extra race next season or they're going to drop, maybe they drop one of the European extra races they've added um, due to COVID um, and doing the international travel. But yeah, they've mm. got an extra, Qatar has been added to the calendar, so they will have that race. They've got some money over there, boys. They're, they've got a, <laughs> a soccer World Cup incoming. Uh, there's, there's no doubt there's uh, some dollars going out of Doha. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> nothing better than to throw it at F1 um, to get Qatar on the map. Uh, no, hey, it's a, it's a great idea leading up to the World Cup. It was like, hey, come check us out. Um, we can hold events. Uh, I wonder whether they'll run this during the day or the night. This race, or um, to be interesting, um, their weather. It is. It'd be their winter though, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, November. Coming into their winter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. But even still, it might still be 30 degrees. Um, yeah. I, I can't imagine <laughs> it will be snowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be a, a very hot um, uh, race, and it'll be interesting to see how yeah. the cars manage that heat um, with that. That's it. I don't think it's going to be a wet race, let's put it that way. Mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe some oil on the track, but no rain. <laughs> oh, I like that. No, I reckon they would suck all the oil out of it. I, I think it's all been uh, converted into skyscrapers and, and aeroplanes. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's it. All right. Let's finish off the podcast. We've got soccer and golf to talk about. Um, what's happening in the United Champions League? Boys, Sheriff, get around them. The Moldovans, uh, we sh- I shouted them a beer the other week. Uh, the, the first team ever from Moldova to make the Champions League uh, round of 32. And guess what? They beat Real Madrid in the Bernabeu 2-1. They're $2.50 to make it out of the group, and they are top of that group, which includes Inter Milan. Uh, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on them. I think they were about 19 bucks to win that game. Uh, I, I did see one punter. Uh, I think he threw a $2 bet with them and Bruges uh, amongst a few others. Won $8,500. Thanks very much for coming. Um, PSG, uh, they they won two zip over Man City. A lot of uh, people think these two teams are going deep in the Champions League. Messi yep. had a nice goal. And PSG, last time I checked, they are tournament favourites. 
they've never won the comp, so it'll be big uh, for for them, uh, the Parisians, with the newly acquired Lionel Messi to take out their first Champions League. Time yeah, they've will they've uh, loaded up for this tournament. So yeah, they they are they they've put their eggs in this one, but I tell you what. You got to watch out for Bayern Munich. They are looking very good. They smoked Dynamo Kiev five zip. For mine, they've looked the better side. It is early days. Uh, Liverpool they smashed Porto five one. There was some woeful goalkeeping. If you want to look, look at a bit of uh, Benny Hill kind of goalkeeping, uh, check out the highlights <laughs> in that one in Liverpool and Porto. Uh, Benfica got the win over Barcelona three zip. Uh, Barcelona without Messi looking very susceptible, haven't been going great in La Liga and off to a very poor start here in the Champions League. And United coming off that loss to Aston Villa in the Premier League over the weekend, uh, they had a 2-1 win over Villarreal and uh, Ronaldo scored. And I tell you what, the rig doesn't look 36. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, the shirt came off. I think you cop a yellow card for that these days. Uh, I think you'd, you'd cop a lot more, to be honest. And that well, come- It was late in the match, too. Like, it was for them to win, and it was late. Like, to put them... Yeah. I love it. I love it. Take, take away the cards, mate. The, I imagine the money that they made out of those pictures uh, for... <laughs> From a few ladies and, and men around the world that, that don't mind seeing a shirtless Ronaldo, uh, I think I think uh, that would have paid for itself. I know it's early days. Uh, we wouldn't mind just having a look, quick look uh, here at the at the standings uh, after two rounds. PSG uh, they they do lead uh, Group A with Club Bruges. You'd imagine though, Man City will come back for that one there. Liverpool and Atletico, I think they go through in Group B. Uh, Group C, Ajax and uh, Borussia Dortmund, I think they get out of there. Group D is the one that's that's so interesting now, with, with Sheriff Tiraspol leading the group ahead of Madrid, Inter and Shakhtar Donetsk. Get around them. Uh, they're, they're an underdog out of Moldova. Uh, group E, we've got Bayern Munich um, and Barcelona coming dead last in that group. I think Bayern go deep here. Yeah, and I don't Barca might not get out of the group. It seems that way. Yeah. Uh, group Group F is really kind of evenly poised. You've got Atalanta, Young Boys, United and Villarreal there. Group G, uh, again, quite evenly poised with Red Bull Salzburg, Sevilla, Wolfsburg and Lille. And Group H, uh, Juventus had a win over Chelsea last night. Uh, I think they're the two teams to get out of that group. Early stages in the Champions League, a few upsets. Um, it's it's good viewing. Yep, yeah. And there's another round of EPL, of course, on the weekend um, for the English Premier League. Um, Liverpool versus Man City is probably my pick of the games for the weekend. Yeah, big one there. Um, the top four kind of starting to take shape, as you would expect. Arsenal and Tottenham really struggling, uh, which is Brighton's in six. Like, yeah, which which is which is cool. Like, I think we mentioned that maybe last week. Up the goals, oh, you'd imagine they drop off. But uh, it's nice to see uh, Arsenal and Tottenham uh, way back there. Uh, just wouldn't mind Man City dropping off a little bit. But we'll see what. <laughs> All right, Peppy, finish us off with the golf. What happened in the Ryder Cup? Thanks for sticking with us. Anyone who is this far deep into the podcast, the Ryder Cup uh, wrapped up Europe versus America over the weekend, and the Americans got it done quite comfortably. The Europeans were actually favoured uh, with the bookies before this one uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, 
Um, and look, we spoke about it, uh, I don't know, a few months ago with the whole Bryson and Brooks feud. <laughs> and uh, I think it might be a little bit made for television. I don't think these guys, <laughs> yeah, I don't think these guys hate each other too much. They had the, the stepbrothers shirt made uh, with, with Brooks uh, being one, uh, you know, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell being uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Um, quite an interesting T-shirt. And uh, the boys, they, they were sculling beers, as we, as we would say down under, or as they would say up there in North America. They're on the chug. They're chugging beers. It means a lot to them. Uh, the USA wins a Ryder Cup quite comfortably. Thank you, Peps. Mm. And with that, uh, that ends uh, today's show of On the Ski and the sports that we had been following during the week. Uh, thank you all if you've listened this deep into the podcast. As all, mm. we appreciate it. Get at us in the comments. Uh, subscribe, like, and follow our socials as you will. Thank you, boys, for coming out and um, chatting as always. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for the session. Thank you, lads. Looking forward to the NRL Grand Final. Saturday night, we'll be talking mm. with the Delhi Capitals. And uh, I think within the few uh, upcoming weeks, we might be uh, able to move back to the studio and get out of the uh, remote learning, if you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, definitely. Not, not the best on the sound quality, not the best internet over here, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you boys in person and, uh, and getting stuck in, in the studio. Definitely. Thank you, lads. As always, we'll see you again next week. Cheers. Catch you, boys. Bye. Bye.